Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, they all together. Are you with me now? Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And uh, we have no big agenda today, a bunch of little things, so I don't know. You've been warned. warned. <laughs> if it comes up, yeah. probably going to ruin it. So um, I <laughs> want to talk to you about one kind of big thing, though. So okay. you texted me last week and said, I am not going to be able to get uh, Tears of the Kingdom because uh, you were wrapped up in Jedi Survivor. Yes. Which, how's that going? Um, Beautifully. Like, I'm, like, talk about, like, a sequel that corrects all of, most, I'd say 90% of the ills that I had, or the, the, the critiques I had about the first game, which I enjoyed, but this is like an up an upgrade in every way, shape, and form. Like literally, it's it's gone from like something that was kind of fun to like a like a Red Dead Redemption level like style of game where you have it's not as open worldy as that, but it definitely has an open world nature where you're getting you're like okay, so like anything what's the biggest thing that you like beyond the narrative is the side quest. Right. And some of the side quest stuff that they've set up in this, um, in the game is so clever. And so just kind of like on brand for star Wars, like you recruit people to your specific brand of the rebellion, uh, by doing good deeds, which are just basically side quests. Right. Like, you know, um, you know, I can't find my friend. He was working with the Jawas. I mean, yeah. literally, that's what it sounds like. I mean, like, like you're on the outer rim, so it's like it, it like all the people, all the characters, all the NPCs have either Australian or deeply, deeply like, like Western howdy doody like accents, right? But like, you can recruit for the rebellion. You can like, there's a garden that you can create, um, like a little little garden thing um you can become a, a jedi bounty hunter which like the thing is that that's the most like once i finish the once i finish the main quest that's what i'm like most looking forward to because you got 20 pucks that you have to get to to get to the last two big pucks like they're like like special cases and i'm fairly certain it's probably um bosk or somebody like that level of like person once you get to that point but it's a yeah. fun and the other thing is the game mechanics has changed for the better. And that's an odd one. That is a very odd thing because most of the time you keep your game mechanics the same, but the, sh the, the game mechanics were so wonky. I think I even told you when I first played the first one, I was like, man, these game mechanics suck. Yeah. Um, but they've, correct they've corrected them so that you're not worried about specific button mashing and it feels, and I know this is something that I think we've never talked about, but I think it's something that I think that we both agree on is the intuitiveness of gameplay with buttons. 
yes. sometimes can be super like it ends a game for me. Like there's a game that I bought that I literally played two hours of, and it was so frustrating because of the game mechanics. I was like, I give up. Um, so yeah, it's all to say, um, man, they leveled up in every way, shape, and form with Jedi, uh, uh, Jedi survive, uh, Jedi survivor. Um, in a good way, uh, in a very good way. So I, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Um, but yeah, that's probably partly the reason why um, I did not. I, I canceled or rescinded my order for um, Zelda because I mean it's going to be there. And, uh, and Nintendo really didn't need your money because I'm yeah. sure you saw. Holy shit! Yes. <laughs> they sold a oh my metric fuck ton of that game. <laughs> Oh my god, like, you would think that this was the first, this was the second Zelda game that ever existed. Yeah. Like, literally, I was like, they, like, the game was like, like, there were some retailers that were doing special, like, versions of it, and you'd have thought that these were sneaker drops, because yeah. there were literally lines around the block. Um, so, yeah, okay, so my question to you is this is this how quickly after super mario's box office returns does nintendo and illumination start developing or if they've already started developing i i um, think it's already i think the minute they prob the folks at nintendo probably saw super mario they were like okay e even if the most cynical um were people were probably like Okay, the the story's not great. It's kind of just a mess, but mm -hmm. people are gonna fucking love this, and they did. You know, it it made, it made a billion dollars. It's already out to watch at home, and it's still making money in the theaters. So, um, I think the minute they saw it, before it ever even got released, they were like, "We need to know if you guys like get us something to look." like mock up a Zelda like yeah. just mock something up and you know just so that they know how it's gonna look and kind of feel on screen and then I, I think the minute uh, Mario's released they're like okay we need to nail down a script not a Mario script a perfect script which you know for Nintendo especially for Zelda just involves keeping probably just involves keeping the people that have been working in zelda like in that world you know i know video game scripts are more expansive and have to be kind of like you know multiple options but yes you know getting a story from the game is, is not going to be an issue at all um the question is w what story do you start with do you start with og like just you know link on the beach you know waking up I, um that's the that's the thing is that okay so uh my motosan um miyamotosan who is the who is the creator of like literally every Nintendo icon. He's the Walt Disney. Like to me, he's the Walt Disney of the video game world because Mario, Donkey Kong, uh, Zelda, um, Pikmin, anything that you thought a uh, Star Fox, anything that you thought 
was an iconic game from uh, or an iconic character from Nintendo within the first 20 years he created. Um, I feel like because he was so heavily involved with Mario, um, I feel like he's the key here along with, say, a super fan. Like, you need somebody who understands. He, you need the Peter Jackson equivalent, whatever that is, of a filmmaker yeah. that loves Zelda. Like, literally, like, I, I love Zelda, but I don't know where I would go with it. Like, I think I would start with, a, with an anime, like a like traditional anime to see what they can do with it. Like, to see what those creatives can do with it and how they're going to branch it out. But I think that I would start with Teenage Zelda. Like, Teenage yeah. Link. Like, I would start there, like, 18 or 19 and start with, like, say... I know that a lot of people don't like this one, but um, Breath of the Wind feels like the perfect kind of meld and amalgamation of what you would want in an Illumination-based Breath of the Wild? Movie. Yeah, Breath of the Wild, sorry. So, yeah, it, it's, it's funny you bring that up, because I bought that game in December, finally, after everybody told me, you gotta play Breath of the Wild, man. Yes. And then I just never started it, because I knew, I fucking knew, the yeah. minute I started playing it, that it was just gonna be this thing that took over my life. And, and so I started playing it last week and I, lo and behold, I was right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I sound a little bitter about yes. that, but <laughs> I mean, I am. It's not that I'm not enjoying the game. That's the problem. All I, mm -hmm. I was texting with Spencer. I was like, hey, man, start a Breath of the Wild because he does have Tears of the Kingdom and he's been telling me about how amazing it is and uh, he's like, it's just, it's incredible. They've outdone themselves, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, uh, I haven't started Breath of the Wild. So I started it this week, texting him. I was like, yeah, man. So started Breath of the Wild. Was a little frustrated from the jump because I didn't, like, I, I am the kind of gamer who, because I will wander in an open world, I kind of need more direction. Like, you can't just mm -hmm. leave me to wander around because then I get, I will do that for, you know, weeks and then go, I don't remember what I'm supposed to be doing in the game, so I'm just going to stop playing. Um, yes. <laughs> so I was a little frustrated at first because I couldn't do anything. Like, I was like, okay, well, I could just wander around and beat up these little, like, ogre-looking things and, you know, I, like... It, I didn't know how to cook things. I didn't. I knew that I was looking for these like temple things, and uh, yes, I, eventually I got back on the right path. I got the my little glider thing. I I learned about the and, and the world is so big. I was like, Jesus, man! Like, I, am I gonna get a horse? Because oh my god, I'm so tired of walking across the landscape, and then I got to the horse. Well, yeah. <clears throat> now that I can glide and I have a horse um, for like three days, I just abandon any of the missions. And all I do is ride around on my horse. Oh, the other thing was I figured out how to cook. Um, not, yes. It makes it sound like I'm a meth dealer, but I figured out how yeah. to 
Cook in the game. And so now all I do is ride around on my horse and find new or different things to create dishes. And I, I have taken Breath of the Wild, this, uh, you know, su- supposedly expansive and beautiful game. And all I'm doing is like not even farming. I'm just riding around killing things and, you know, digging up truffles and mushrooms and uh, salt and whatever. Um, and then selling off what I can to buy things I couldn't find to then, you know, find a fire and then try to figure out new dishes, which I know there's recipe books online and all that stuff, but I, I I've, I've just really enjoyed tinkering with that. Um, I've got to get back to the main mission, but <laughs> literally <laughs> three days, that's all I've got. Once I've figured out like some of the, cause, like part of my frustration was, um, I was like, I've got to be able to get more like meat you know, like, and I was yeah. like, no, it involves like killing, which I was telling somebody I work with that uh, I was hunting in the game. And they're like, you can't hunt in that game. <coughs> Excuse me. And I was like, uh, well, that's what I'm doing. And she was like, yeah, I played that game. I don't, I was like, oh, no, no, no. You played the game and you played the missions and you just got what you, what you came across. I said, but with the sword and the bow. You can very much sneak up on things, shoot them in the head, and then take their meat. <laughs> so yep. she was like, that is not the game that I played. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no, that's because you you didn't played think to do it. Game. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so that wasn't in your, like, uh, you didn't see the fox and go, huh, I wonder if I can kill that fox. You saw the fox and went, Oh, that's a really pretty fox. <laughs> I saw the yeah. fox and went, I wonder if I could catch that thing and kill it. <laughs> um, because that's, like, like, and that's how, like, what I love about that game was that, it, in what, and I'm probably going to also go back to it um, to, like, play it again. Because before I play that game, I want to play it. Or before I play the sequel, I want to replay the game because it's been about two years since I I beat it. But um, I'm like you where I will do a combination of... Oh, I won't go so deep into the the side stuff, but I will do a healthy amount of the side stuff and the missions. And that was the problem with that game is that I spent... Other than Animal Crossing, that game... I think I had in my switch and didn't pull out the cartridge for six months straight. And that's a big thing for me. Like, or the little SD card thing. Like, Oh, I mean, it's a fucking cartridge. Come on. Let's be honest here. Um, It's amazing how deep that game is considering it's just a switch game. Like, and like that, that is a quote unquote, just a switch game is like it gets redefined when you play that game because it yeah. is. I, I mean, it's. A, oh, I've never seen. I've I played plenty of open world stuff. And mm-hmm. so uh, the thing about all of that is like, okay, so I think the last big open world I ga- game I played was Spider Man, right? For PlayStation mm-hmm. 4. Yeah. And it's fucking huge. It's 
it's practically New York uh, City or Manhattan. Um, Manhattan. It's yeah. so big, and um, like I, that's the, I got lost in all of that. Um, but when you put in Spider-Man in your PlayStation 4 or PS5, there's an hour before you get to play that game. A fucking hour. Yep. When you drop mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild, it boots up and you're playing in five minutes. And yep. it just keeps fucking going. Like, I, I'm blown away and and i haven't even gotten to anything past just the like that first big set of like tundra you can traverse you know and like Mm -hmm. i started climbing rocks and i was like maybe 30 minutes into the game i was like oh shit i can climb rocks and then i was like how high can i climb of course your your little meter thing will run out but i was like i wonder if i can get to the top of that i wonder if it's that like I wonder if that's the edge of the game, you know? Because there's yeah, always that like you know, yeah, like how far can I get with this? Um, what's the ceiling? What's the you know, where I hit the like in Spider Man, there's the like you hit the the edge of the game and you like you think you can keep going, but you can't the game just turns you around. So <laughs> like yeah. what what's the like Okay, I'm going to crawl up there and see if... Nope, that wasn't it. Look, here's a whole new area. Okay, well, I'm going to go over here and... Nope, that wasn't it. Here's a whole new area. Like, holy shit. (laughs) It really... Oh, fuck, dude. Like, that game... Okay, so there's a couple of open-world games that I feel like test the bounds of just how big a fucking game is. Um, Zelda is one of them. Like, I was seriously impressed at... Um, once you get to a point where you have all the lands available to you, um, do a, do a like a horse run on it, and you'll see how deep it goes. Because it's kind of like it's like um, Ghosts of Tsushima. Because Ghosts of Tsushima is like a, a huge, huge world, like a deep, deep world. You have like five different islands that are literally hundreds of square miles that you can cover. Um, it's kind of like the way that I feel about that game. And then um, also uh, 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 Zero Dawn Horizon, which that fucking game is huge too. Like that's the one that's set in the, like it's like both caveman and technology and like, yeah, like robo dinosaurs and shit. Like that game is seriously impressive at how big it is um and redemption redemption too like like and zelda like there those worlds are so vast and like the weird part about them each and this is the thing that i feel like is what hooks people and it's what you did which is is that they have niche side quests that you can turn into wildly like addictive like OCD things like I can't describe it anything other than that like you get an itch like the cooking thing right like you get an itch to do something in that game and it allows you to do it like you go you know what let's see how far I can go with this cooking thing and you don't realize how many years they spent on that cooking thing that the the aspect of cooking and what you can and like just the level of you can go anywhere and hunt and take something, and then as long as you can find a fire, 
you can combine them like you can combine your mm-hmm. ingredients together and basically sell it back and based on the co- or based on the price that you get for it is how successful you are so that you can gauge what kind of combination and literally bro like you like you've already found out there's literally hundreds of thousands maybe even millions of combinations that you can do with with things because yeah. there's so much it's, um, it's, it's insane man and, and yeah. I, i'm assuming <clears throat> that at some point you you get a fishing rod and can fish yes you do okay so that, that's that now. <clears throat> that's my next thing is uh i've got to get to the point where i get a fishing rod and i can fish and then i will then spend another week or two probably creating dishes with uh whatever i get out of the water um because i i'm just i yeah i'm i'm absolutely blown away that i have one complaint about the game that's like a legitimate i think complaint and maybe it's just because I'm playing it handheld. I'm not playing it. Um, but I feel like I'd have this problem no matter what. So um, I have to, well, you don't have to, but like I tend to bring up my uh, um, my map a lot. And the map yeah. is the little like minus key there at the top above the left joystick. Mm-hmm. I Maybe... It's just me, but it's so closely placed to the joystick that, like, every time I try to hit it, I wind up, like, moving. And a couple of times I've stupidly been on, like, the edge of cliffs or something, and I'm like, I'm going to bring up my map. And then I wind up walking off (laughs) because I hit the joystick. Like, if they could have just put this just a little bit higher... (laughs) Okay, I'm going to send you something live right now, which is my Switch controller, my actual Switch controller. And I'm going to show you something because I think that you may want – because, okay, so, like, I played it – I first played it handheld, and then I realized how beautiful the the graphics were. And I'm like, oh, I need to do this on my big screen. And that's where I played it. Um. So it automatically prompted me to buy a Switch controller, which I have not used. As you can tell, like, like when I start playing Zelda again, I will start using it. You'll see how fucking dusty it is. Um, but you'll notice that where the minus sign is is a lot it is a lot better than where it is on the little yep. the, the the micro Joy Cons. You see that? You see how? And I will tell you. Part of the reason why I went also to a to a bigger uh, to the joy to the joystick was just because it didn't feel intuitive when I was fighting things. Yeah. To play on the screen because of the way that the I'm I'm a I'm a joystick guy. Like I'm I'm definitely a PS guy. Like when it comes to controllers, because that's what I mostly played in the last decade is mostly PS. Like mostly PS with occasional, you know. Um, it wasn't until the Switch where I really dived back into Nintendo Land, um, because it was never intuitive, and I never felt like, like, the one thing I feel like Nintendo gets wrong constantly, because they're constantly fucking playing with it, is the control systems. Yeah. Um, like, the Wii was something that I was like, 
I was forced to play that because Zelda was Zelda's my jam. So like I was forced to play the Wii in the way that it was meant to be played, which is like, you know, two controllers wirelessly with the fucking shit. I didn't like it at all. Um, but I will tell you things are a lot easier, like, especially like, I don't know, like open world games to me, with the exception of, uh, um, Animal Crossing is definitely like controller based. And I almost wonder if you just, okay, so like what I do with my Switch now is whenever I want it on a screen, I have dual monitors. Um, I just hooked it up to my second monitor. And it's a beautiful, like, it's a perfect way to play Switch because it's still small and compact, but it's still on a screen and it allows me to play with a remote, like with a, with a controller if I want to play with a controller. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go get a controller and start, I'm, I'm enjoying playing a handheld, but the, the other thing, and I'm assuming it's because just of the game being so big is, uh, uh my my battery on my switch <laughs> like i can tell the difference between oh i've been playing captain toad and mario rabbits and i'll just pause the game or just hit the off button and pick mm-hmm. it up <clears throat> the next day and it'll be fine if i do that with zelda like half my battery's gone <laughs> yeah <laughs> because i've just left the is. game running <laughs> uh, um i don't uh so I don't, uh, whenever I used to play Zelda, I found the same thing when I was doing it, uh, when I was doing it with the, just the switch. Um, and this is, this is back in the day when it was an old switch, not an OLED switch, which uh, like, can we talk about how much better the battery is? Like, I don't know. Do you have it, an OLED? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And uh, from my, my understanding, cause I know many, many people that have either the original switch or the switch Lite. Um, I, my minor complaint about the battery is nothing compared to theirs, like, um, which probably prompted Nintendo to, I don't think we talked about this a few weeks ago, released a statement saying, Hey, just FYI, if you don't charge your switch battery, at least once every six months, it could brick itself. Yeah. Um, So, um, you know, if for some reason you don't play your switch that often, make sure you charge the battery every uh, you know every couple of months at least um but uh but yeah um my battery like dude playing mario rabbits i was charging that thing like once a week maybe and I, granted yeah. i was only playing for like maybe 30 or 45 minutes a day but still like i, I would just pause the game, hit the little, put it to sleep, and then just leave it till the next day. And I, I was only putting on the charger maybe once a week. Um, and now I have to charge it every other day because, uh, well, I'm also playing a lot more. So when I'm playing the game, <laughs> it is using a lot more battery power, I assume. But, uh, but yeah, I, I watching uh, Ezra play his... Like, oh, geez, you got to charge this thing, like, every other day for sure. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, it, yeah the, the batteries are not, you know, if you're playing a game like that, yeah, it's going to drain. Especially if you're playing, if you don't have a light and you're playing handheld, because the Joy-Cons are using up battery power. Um, the yes. game is using up battery power. 
you know, all of that stuff. So, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it's fucking, it's, it's, it's heavy duty. Like it, it's weird to like talk about the weird eccentricities of like how, how far like Nintendo has pushed things, but you can tell that like, so like with this game, like I always, I always know that whenever they've released the second Zelda game for a system, we're probably about a year or two away. I hate saying this, but we're a year or two away from getting a new system for Nintendo because yeah. literally that's what that's what happened with the uh, with the first iter- like what I like to call the first iteration of the of the Switch, which was the Wii U. Like it was after the second Zelda game with the Wii U that they decided that they started working, and then about a year or two later, we got the um, we we got the uh, the switch the first version of the switch. Uh, though I will say this much, um, yeah, they sold ten million units. So just to give you guys an idea of what ten million units worldwide work, works out to is six hundred million dollars. Let me say that again: six hundred million dollars. Um, to give you an idea of. The close, like, to give you an idea of like how that racks up against other game systems, um, Hogwarts Legacy, in all of its forms, made eight hundred million dollars over a month. The first month, it made eight hundred million dollars. So, think about that in three days. It sold 10 million units. That's how like deep state, or that's how deeply embedded Zelda is. Um, I feel like I feel like it's finally starting to dawn on pop culture, like general pop culture that isn't deep that isn't deeply involved in video games, how much video games are a thing. Um, like I will tell you this year alone. I mean, you know, like we talk about like how much we consume video, like how much we consume in media. I feel like this year was the year that these last two years were the years that quantifiably my video game play, uh, my video game play has risen to the point to where it's beyond everything but music and movies, like music and uh, like movies and TV. Like I would say that music and video games are tied for the amount of time that they that i have that that preoccupy my my life um books comic books like are like you know it's way surpassed that when it used to be the opposite like video games used to be such a smaller portion of my thing i'd pick maybe one or two games a year um since 20 since the pandemic and getting into the switch and getting a ps5 um i've taken in I've 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 played to complete not a hundred percent but to completion with the storylines. I've beat twenty two games, and since twenty twenty two or since twenty twenty, so what three years? So that's like an average of about seven or eight games a uh, uh, seven game six or seven games um, a year. I mean that's for me who also does three hundred to four hundred movies at least 20 to uh, 20 t- 20 to 25 TV series uh, like seasons to completion um, that's a lot that's a fucking shit ton of video gaming and I will tell you it's because the technology has gotten has has 
gotten to the point and beyond where the imagination is. Do you know what I mean? Like we yeah. now have these video games that are essentially alternate realities. Like, like, I mean, you're just experiencing it right now with Zelda. Like we haven't, there's not everything in there and there shouldn't be everything in there. Like, I feel like video games should have that kind of layer of, there should be like a content layer. Like there's this thing that you just don't go into with video games and I'm okay with. So like, like everything that everybody loves about GTA is something that you really shouldn't happen in video games except for GTA, right? Because all it is is like all you do is get stuck in a feedback loop of just bad behavior. Um, because like I don't know anybody who really beats those GTA games like at all. Like they, all they do is just sit around. Let's do some crime. Um, yeah. And I mean that's what I would swore. do. That's why I stopped playing yeah. those games because I was like. I'm not even doing the missions. I'm just running around, like, listening to music and, like, you know, like, oh, I wonder if I can do that. Oh, I wonder if I could do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so, <clears throat> but it's just gotten to the point where it's just amazing. Like, and it's compelling. Like, that's the biggest thing is that it's fucking compelling, right? Like, like you get into Zelda and it, like, it's weird to think that you can make Last of the Mohicans basically the first 10 minutes of Last of the Mohicans out of yeah. The Legend of Zelda, but there you fucking are. You're fucking sitting there and you can fucking do that if you want. It, like I mean like Animal Crossing is a perfect example. Like it's a basic game but within those basic confines there's so much ephemera that you can do and you can make and you can do and you can just and here's the thing that i don't think that people understand that don't have anxiety that don't deal with depression that don't deal with mental health issues is that shit for me that fucking saved my life during the pandemic like going into animal crossing when i could just and i could just relax and have a nice beautiful piece of land that was mine that I could just deeply go into and be okay because nothing bad's going to happen. That's a powerful thing for people with, with those kinds of issues, because you could just go in and it's, it's a task and you don't have to worry about the outside world. You can just kind of concentrate, refocus. It's seriously like meditation in a certain way. Um, and I'll tell you, like that shit's that shit is something that super saved super saved my sanity, um, because you can do it, um, yeah. and still does, still does. I mean, like, how bad of a day do you have? And then all of a sudden, you can just go in for two hours and go into this beautiful, beautiful world, and just do lo-fi stuff, low-key stuff, not not high stakes. Yeah, and uh, I've and, I've that's been my my whole week, man. Like I. I, I mean, I didn't have, like, the worst week ever, but, like, yeah. uh, work was kind of shitty this week. So, like, I would just be sitting at work, going, logged in, just thinking, like, um, I can't wait to log out. I'm just going to boot up Zelda and ride around on my horse and, you know, kill some things, cook some things, and, you know, uh, I- until I literally fall asleep in the bed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, and... I can I can totally fucking relate to that. I can totally relate to that. That's it's it, like I, I'm glad that you're you're enjoying it and that you're doing your own thing with it. Like because I mean, like you know the the quests are there and you'll be able to 
beat it or finish it whenever. But I feel like the like I think what people often forget, at least, and especially like for me sometimes, is that I often forget that these games are designed to wander, and you should wander, right? Like like it it, it creates an, another experience that like it's something that movies can't do. Like, and that's what I love. Like, yes. I always like there's certain. There's certain things that I love about each of the mediums that I I ingest, right? And one of the bigger things about video games is that you you can go into the avenues and cracks that like a movie can't because it would be like it's a, it's a, it's a full experience, right? Like I spent I I think I can tell you right now I've spent 23 hours because it always tells you, right? Like, you know, your addiction. <laughs> uh, but like in PS5, I mean, I spent 20, I spent 24 to 25 hours, I think, in, in Jedi Survivor, and I'm only 20% complete. So yeah. if you think about that, that's like 100, 120, 130 hours. If I'm, and I'm ponderous. Like, I am not urgently walking through, I'm not urgently going through this to try to get like you know to the end i'm enjoying it right so i will take the side quest i will take the occasional side quest to just level up right get a, get some more money trade for certain things um and like i i love that i love the ponderous nature like which is kind of the exact opposite of the way that i feel about movies sometimes like you know it's like like yeah. there's never like, been a, get there, to the point man <laughs> exactly like there's never been a 90 minute movie i didn't love um <laughs> for for its length at the minimum but there are a whole bunch of fucking three-hour movies i'm like what the fuck i hate you because of your fucking length yeah. um it's, you know i'm that's... i'm with you it's weird and so I know I I know voracious book readers, and that's great. If like if you can read a book in three or four days and retain it and like discuss it, and, but like I'm not that person. I I used to try to be that person. I'd be like, "Fuck, man! I read that three weeks ago. I don't even remember what it was about because I was just like plowing through it, you know." And yeah. so I started when I started reading again, which was during the pandemic. Um, I decided no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to like plow through a book a week. I am going to just read a chapter or read, you know, like uh, until I get to what I feel is like a good stopping point and then put it down and then read a little bit the next day. And so I, I was, it was taking me a month to go through a 200 page book. Cause I was like, I'm going to try to, like take my time with this and actually enjoy it and i feel like i i haven't burned myself out on reading so um and and that's been three years ago so generally i would do that and doing that with video games just like with books like yeah, man, I know that there's a shit ton of great games out there that I probably will never have the time to play. But I, I don't know what to do about that, man. I'm not going to, like, dive in and sleep for three hours a day just so I can, like, get all the hours I can in a week on this game. I'm like, no, I'm just going to sit here and enjoy it. It's fine. You know, it, it's fine that there are other games. It's fine that there are other books. And movies, it's kind of the exact opposite. <laughs> 
where it's just like, I wish all this shit was shorter so that I could watch more because there's too many fucking movies I don't get a chance to watch because they're all three and a half hours long now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and like, what I love, what what I love about like, and, and what I've resolved on is it's like I have like anybody, I have a stack of video games. Um, but the joy is just like a book is taking its time for me now. It's like I'm reading like four books right now, right? I um I should tell you I started. Uh, I, I started I started the King Joint, um, which I feel like is going to st- slowly start taking over the reading. Because like, all, eventually always one <clears throat> book like yeah. rises to the top and I end up I end up turning page. I'm 50 pages in and I'm already like, OK, yeah, this is going to fucking because I can finish this one quick. It's a I'm breezy like, gonna... read, man. I'm telling you, yes, those, it, those it things really are is. so it, it, it's like just the way it's set up. Um it's such a just a quick read like the chapters are super short like i don't think there's a chapter in that book more than three pages long so there isn't isn't. Um, every time you get to one you're just like oh shit what happens next (laughs) yeah like 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 i said 50 pages in and uh gwendy uh gwendy's button box is like hooked me hooked me um but like like video games it's it's kind of like that where i take my time and figure it out and i mean like i suffer no fools when it comes to video games like i said like i will i'll drop i will drop like 50 bucks on a game and if it doesn't work fine fuck it i'm off of it because i have so many gamer friends that i can just send it to them like i don't care like you know it's like like i know that people say video games are getting super expensive i'm like not really because i mean like 70 dollars for a fucking game yeah, that, it's there's so much, like, okay, $70, I'll put it like this, like, if I had paid 70 bucks for, which I didn't because you sent it to me, but if I had paid 60 yeah. or 70 bucks for, uh, well, not Mario Rabbids, uh, not the second one, because it's actually a pretty big game, if I had paid 50 yeah. bucks for the first one, it's such a short fucking game, I would have been like, Jesus, man, like, yes, I enjoyed it, but like, I... I blew through this game and everything in it in like a week and a half, man. Like that's, mm-hmm. it's not a ton of money for a week and a half, but like, I kind of want a little bit more out of my games because I'll spend $60 on a Lego game, like Lego star Wars and star Wars. I, I'll, I'll spend two months playing that game. <laughs> so yeah, it takes up your entire fucking summer. Like yeah. it, it's like one of the, like and to get to a hundred percent completion um but it's it's the thing that you do right like but at the same time the value on it far exceeds like other things that i'm purchasing right i agree with you people get so pissy about that price man and i'm just like dude most most big cities it costs you 20 bucks to go see a movie now yeah like uh, go buy a hardback novel. If if you're not getting some kind of like discount thing, like you're you're paying almost twenty dollars for that. Like exactly. You know, yeah, video a good video. Now, don't buy shitty video games. Do your research. But like, yeah, seventy bucks for Tears of the Kingdom. When like, if you truly are gonna get into that game, you're gonna spend three or four months playing it, like for hours, like. 
an hour yeah. or more a day for three or four months. Like that's insane. <laughs> you know, you're that's so much bang for your buck. It's insane. <laughs> no, it really is. Like so, what it becomes one of these things where, you know, um, it becomes one of these things where it's like bang for your buck and i'm always like more i'm never i'm never hesitant to to invest in a video game especially because these things take any like okay so like grand theft auto 6 right they it's been it's been worked on for 10 years it's costing them a half a billion dollars which is not the not uncommon in video game world now um that these games cost that kind of money a because they fucking pay their people the amount that they should be paying their uh, their their programmers and artisans <laughs> you don't hear a ton of uh you know from from people in that world i mean you do occasionally but yeah. you know the the programmers there weren't you know they're not going on strike you know <laughs> yeah they're getting paid. yeah no no exactly um uh, but ultimately so like you know like to me it, it just becomes this whole thing of like like the bang for the buck is definitely there I mean, even like, you know, buying the greatest hits versions, like waiting like for like I waited like three years for the greatest hits version of of Zero Dawn Horizon and it has all the DLCs in it. Right. So but I know that I'm getting a game that's super massive that I literally played for two months and I'm like 35 percent done with and then stopped because I wanted to play Jedi Survivor because it's like my my like in between game. Of like, yeah. you know, when I have something that I don't like, when I finish Jedi Survivor, I have enough here that I can go to another game that excites me, right? Um, but ultimately, it like I can come back into that game and spend hours and hours. And so, like, the dollar to return ratio to me is greater than any Blu-ray or anything that I buy because I'm spending literally hundreds of hours on video games like yeah, well, on this when game, was the last right? time you spent like well you not you do no, 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 you, you review me. those things and so you get into the nitty-gritty of the blu-rays and stuff but like mm -hmm. just the average person who uh, which most people don't bother media anymore but like yeah even 10 years ago the average person you buy a movie you'd watch it and then you probably put it on the shelf. You didn't watch the special features. You didn't, I mean, those people were kind of few and not far between. But mm. most people didn't do that. They dropped 25 bucks on the latest Marvel movie or Disney or whatever. And so that they could watch it or their kids could watch it. And it's like loaded with all this stuff and you're not getting the value out of it. So, but like games, like, yeah. It, I, I get, um, like I said, I get real... Like, not pissy, but just, like, what are you talking about? Like, if you're not buying shit video games, like, you're getting your money's worth, man. And, like, we're also older. So, like, yeah, a video game was cheaper. Like, the original Nintendo games were cheaper. But, like, mm -hmm. that's the thing. Like, the system was, like, 100 or $120 or whatever. And the game yeah. was 30 bucks. But, like... 30 bucks in 1980 is 
pretty much the same as $60 now. (laughs) 150%. Like, like (coughs) your value hasn't diminished. Your games have gotten better. Like, I mean, but then also like, it's weird because it's like, like some of these kids complain about these fucking video games, but all I see them fucking play is apex legends and all these fucking MMO, uh, bullshit fucking things where they have to pay for seasons and i'm like well you know you're you're playing mmo sniper games where you're just like mm -hmm. like yeah of course of course those are the things that make me mad price wise that's the shit that makes me mad the like uh who was it ea that was like super like micro uh transactions like a few years ago it was just like jesus man oh yeah during the pandemic Everything is microtransactions, and and that that's where you will lose me. I'm I'm fine with like like the Lego games always have some like bonus content you can buy to like get yeah. extra characters and like that's different. But like the and I've been rewatching Mythic Quest, so like the the loot drops and stuff <laughs> like that are in yes. my mind. Like that kind of shit. It's why I could never get into those massive online games like i'm just like no no man like i want to like i know that for most for the most part you can like grind it out and earn a lot of that stuff but i don't want it to be that difficult and i also don't want to be like every 30 minutes something in my face being like well you can buy this or you can buy this and you can buy this like you know that's why i stopped playing games on my cell phone because it's just like Jesus, dude, like, uh, you're bombarding me with, you know, these micro things, and I, I just yep. want to play a game. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, what, what a world, man, where we have uh, two brilliant masterpiece Zelda. Of course, almost every Zelda game has been a, a masterpiece, so. Yes, uh, absolutely. I, I've got this itch now after playing this. To I I never finished Wind Waker, and I have an itch to go back and play Wind Waker. <laughs> um, Wind Waker is one of those games that I feel like you're either on the boat for or you're not. Oh, um, yeah. I feel like it, I feel like it was a game that people felt was too easy to beat, but I feel like it's also one of the first Zelda games that was an open world like um like open world sort of um and well, i mean the it's, it's always really been kind of open world open world like to your yes. point like yeah like very much of like oh shit i can get on a boat and go somewhere else like not yes. i have to walk around you know this what's one little section or whatever um it felt mm-hmm. way more expansive um than even uh uh what's the first n64 game um ocarina of time which ocarina of time yeah blew us away at the time and now that game feels so incredibly small you know yes well i just i just finished um i just uh i did a replay because it was it was online of majora's mask i never beat that one man is that a small it's a it's a difficult game, but shit is it small? Yeah. Like compared to <clears throat> even even it, um, even like like uh, like 
even like uh, Wind Waker, like it is a seriously small game. Um, and Wind Waker is is big because of the the sailing aspect of it, and and then the fishing aspect because it's it, it's like so many different islands, but the main quest is a smaller quest. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, I love going back to retro games, uh, especially the Nintendo ones, actually only the Nintendo ones or the stuff that's on Nintendo online, because they're kind of Nintendo always had beautiful, or like had high standards when it came to beauty um, and the simplicity of their beauty. Um, they even now still don't have like their, their flagship games never feel like they always feel like there are, they're animated and, and we've talked about this before and about two generations behind like they don't ever think about graphics graphics is a thing that is always like a, a beauty standard for them like a beauty mark like it's like animated movies it's like it's it's like hand cell drawn things yeah. and stuff and so like like i like that aspect of it because it ages well because i can go back 15 years and play a pikmin game and not be annoyed by the golden eye of it all. You know what I mean? Like yep. I like like when I played the 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 up uh, the down res original version of 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 Golden Eye. Um it's like oh my I god, was, man. <laughs> yeah. And then like go and, and play to, play Madden 01. You just feel like, oh Jesus, I can't do this. <laughs> no, exactly. And then when I played the Xbox version of it, which was the up res, I was like, okay, this is more like it. This is more of a like a modern but Whereas literally like you can log on to, to the Nintendo, uh, the online thing, online. go into the NES thing, pl- pl- pick the original Legend of Zelda game and pick it and you do not feel like, oh, this is so, it looks stupid. I can't do this. You're just like, oh shit, I'm back in this world, man. <laughs> like running down the, you know, with your sword. You're <laughs> Well, like I just ride the, in it, man. <laughs> absolutely, because it's like I, I cannot describe to people the joy of of that. Because it's, I just made a bunch of noises that anybody who's never played the original Legend of Zelda game will not fucking understand. <laughs> but anybody who has, come on, now. like we all fucking. Like, but no, if you like that game, you know what that sound means. <laughs> yes, you absolutely know what that fucking sounds means. Um, I mean, I love the first Zelda so much that I have a, I don't know if you ever saw it, but they released a pocket version of the first two games. Yeah. I have that pocket version. Like, That's it, awesome. it's a clock. Uh, I, I just love it because it's. It's like it's the first game that truly gra- grabbed me. I wasn't a Mario kid, um, I, even though I had the original Nintendo and I had Mario Brothers and I had Duck Hunt. Um, they were games that I liked, but it wasn't until I got Zelda that something like really hooked me. Like it was that became my jam. And man, that first gold cartridge. I think I I think it never left the NES for like four years because yeah. it was just like like after I finished it I would replay it again yeah. like it was one of those games that was just like uh, I mean you know and then the concept of a saving point like a yeah. memory a memory disc or a memory card inside of it where you could save and then 
literally blew restart mind, and continue. Man, blew yep. my mind. Like, why the fuck can't I do this on Super Mario Brothers 3, man? I'm tired of dying and going back to the beginning. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Why can't I just pause at a certain point and just let me pause at that point and I can fucking... I can do whatever the fuck I want. I can come back and, like, it's the thing that I do in my games now. It's like, PS5? I'll fucking pause that shit and then turn it on low res and just come back and hope to God that, that Sony doesn't send an update that automatically updates and kills my fucking save point, or my stopping yeah. point, my pause point. Um, but, yeah, like, it's it's wild how far games have come from that moment, but I can still go back to that. I can still, still go back to that original... 50 pixel link and have an adventure on it like i mean uh, like you know my um my one of my favorites is link to the past and that's a yeah. super nintendo game i haven't um, i played it once i don't know that i ever beat it but um and i i i want to go back and revisit it i know that it's it's out there to play like it's very easy to get a hold of um but so it was what was the first Game Boy one? Was it Link's Awakening? Yeah, Link's Awakening, I think was I really fucking loved that game, man. Yeah. That one was good. That one was super good. Um man, like yeah, then they got the like you have all the handheld. I mean, there's so many Zelda games. Mm -hmm. Like it's so weird because they had the co they had the co-op one, the four swords. Uh, yeah. you, I never played that one because Me I never either, had enough friends to play yep, yep. DS. Yep. <laughs> Couldn't even play two swords. Um yep. it's it, it's really wild how many games there uh that they had that they created for the Zelda brand, but also how many that were actually really good. Um and I don't know, man. Like I just kind of loved it. I, I love Zelda and it will continue to love Zelda. Uh, I, I wish I just had a year where I could just start at the first game. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, I do, I can, but like, yeah, just focus on like, you know what? This year I'm only going to play Zelda games and just go through and beat every fucking game. I mean, I, I <clears throat> that is like one of those things that could almost be a podcast, like a, like a, a, a single host podcast, like where you're yeah. just talking about like the, the, like going through all of the Zelda games. I don't even know how many there are. I, I would, I would figure that there's probably at least 30 versions of different games. Like, yeah, like, you know, I like, probably need more than a year. <laughs> uh, uh, but I love how certain things have not changed like nothing like certain things like collecting rupees has not changed you know yeah. the uh, lot hard leak having so, a so far they're harder to come by in breath of the wild than i thought they would be oh yeah but... um they they definitely have created a game with breath of the wild that becomes a little bit more <laughs> modern it still keeps the 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 that amount it just it just 29 it's games not as you were you were pretty fucking close. <laughs> Fuck! Oh my god! Um, but then they also have those weird side games. Like, I, do you remember Link's Crossbow Training? Did you ever have that or play that? I never was had a, it, but um, it I it was one of those. I was like, oh man, that would be fun. Like for even just a little while. It was the second game I bought 
um, with the controller bow, or whatever you want to call it, it's the second game that I bought because of that. I think the reason why I bought it was because it had that. It had the Lynx, um, Lynx crossbow training. But also it was because um, I think the Two Rock game that was coming out on the Wii was going to use that exclusively. And so you could you could like, you know, it was yeah. an up res thing where you could use it um, with a first person shooter. So um, I bought that like, you know, it was like but it's like it's weird because it's like there are all these weird avenues that it goes down in. So like, it's like a history of like Nintendo because I mean, you know, they had it on like, you know, it's kind of like, it's like Mario. It had, they had it on every platform, including the, including the, the handheld stuff, like the DS, the, the DS 3d, like they all had platformer games. Like, you know, Zelda was always a platformer for any one of those pieces of tech. And it was always like really good. Um, it was always like super good at how they that's all like like for me it's always funny because it's like that's the reason why zelda games don't come out the first couple of years and it's a mario game that comes out the first year or two like you know um from a from their consoles and the zelda one doesn't come out until a year or like two years or three years into the into the game uh, platform because they're trying to work the kinks out of the tech to make it work with zelda even though I feel like Mario is their mascot, I feel like Zelda is their is their is their treasure, is their flagship like um, their flagship critical mass like gaming uh, gaming series, right? Yeah, like it's the prestige thing. Knows, it's like, the it's the one you yeah, don't get that you don't get you know, an iteration. It's why we only get, I mean, you're not wrong. In general, you get two Zelda games per system. Like, because you're only getting one every, like, six years or so. So, like, and at this point, I don't even know if it's six years. It might be closer to, like, eight years. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, there's re... Like... They love to re remake remaster. the yeah, like a oh, remaster <laughs> Majora's uh, Mask on in the, 3D and yes. shit like that. Uh, Wind Waker HD. Um, yeah. uh, you know, like they they do all of these re like not reboots but recycles of these ge- like uh, like you were saying like um uh, uh, upgrades. Jesus, I'm losing my my mind here. But y- they always do that, especially for the especially for the um. Uh, except for uh, ex- uh, for the Game Boys, like the various Game Boys, they always do that, which is kind of kind, of, which is kind of great. You know, you you get the remastered version in about five years on the actual portable version of the portable uh, station. Now it's changed because I don't think that Nintendo is going to go away from the screen. Like I, I honestly no. don't think that there's no way that they're not they're they're gonna stay they're they're gonna go back to a regular console. Well, it's gonna stay with this stuff. They no longer have to have two separate consoles. And yep, it's it, one console. It it benefits while they fucking pioneered handheld gaming um, and changed it so much that everybody everybody tried to copy them and nobody succeeded. They've now got it to where they don't have to spend the money on developing two separate consoles it can literally just be 
one thing and it works for both and it's uh, you know <laughs> it's weird to say i feel like this is what they've been building towards since 1990 but I, I, it does <laughs> where it's just like how can we get this so that it's we don't have to sell them two pieces like yes it's more money but like if we could just make it a more fluid gaming experience and they have <laughs> they, they really have like it, it's they cracked the code so you know it's only going to get better like the whole thing is like the craziest part about this is is that if they made it a little bit thicker they could probably get it to the point to where it's literally uh like 4k yeah. But I don't think that they want to do that. I think that they'll stay in this HD realm and yeah. the OLED realm. Um, it took them with this long just to get to HD. <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely. And like true HD, like yeah. true beautiful HD on a fucking portable screen um, that I feel like they'll go for memory and portability and like battery life over over increased graphics which yeah. to be perfectly honest i'd much rather have on a portable station on a portable um on a portable gaming system that converts into a um that converts into a home a home console because i like you know that switch like i i never thought that it would take it places but i do like if um, i have to, if i have a long wait someplace i'll fucking take it with me i don't give a shit yeah i i and here's the thing, anything that's like Wi-Fi based, guess what? Got a hotspot on my phone. I can mm -hmm. just like uh, my my uh, my switch remembers my remembers my damn hotspot, you know? Uh so it's it's not a big deal. And uh it's just it's it's it really is a cracked code, like especially with the OLED uh version of it, like like there is as a person that's owned both. There is a remarkable difference to the clarity on the screen, the beauty of the games, um, and the battery life uh, yeah. for the for the console. Um, which I, I mean, it beats even the I, I've had. I have a Switch Lite. Um, I hardly ever use it, but I do have one. Um, uh, it beats that thing to a bloody pulp because the battery is so good. And the the other thing is, it doesn't get super hot. Like it's yep. it's really one of those things that it never gets hot in my hands. Like I touch it and I'm like, well, okay, that's kind of great. Um, uh, you know, uh, but also like it's one of those things where I'm like, I didn't realize I needed a switch until I had a switch. Oh, me too. I like I resisted it for so long. I was like, no, man. Like I think I'm done buying into Nintendo stuff. Like I just, I don't know. I can't. I can't make the the because I didn't go the Wii got me and then the Wii U I was just like I don't know man and then the Switch because I totally skipped the Wii U didn't do any of that and then yeah uh, I, I I was just like I don't know I'm just not gonna do it and then I I, I don't know what the deciding factor was but um, probably talking with you and Spencer. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to get one. But if I'm going to get one, I'm going to get the OLED. And then for the longest time, you just couldn't get them because of the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but when I made, when I finally got it, I was like, oh, shit. I like, this is, I, I feel like Sony and Microsoft have a, like, 
I'm like, I, I need y'all, like, I would play my PlayStation and my Xbox more if I could go from playing it, which I know you can, but it's not as simple as Nintendo makes it. Like, it's no. so fucking easy with the Switch. Like, with yep. Sony and Microsoft, it's like, yeah, it's way more complicated to go from playing on screen to playing handheld. And it's too many steps. There's too much. This literally, I just pick it up off the base, man. <laughs> That's literally what it is. I don't have to stop my. I can literally pause, pull it out, and it automatically transfers from the the big screen to yep. the portable screen. Yeah. It literally instantaneous because of that 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 uh, USB C connection it has um, uh, with the splitter between the HDMI and um, yep. and the power. Like it's it's beautiful. Like it, it is a very elegant design in a way that I don't feel like Sony and Xbox will ever have. Yeah. Like, I mean, especially the Xbox. I mean, like they have that steam deck that actually works with, uh, and it's a beautiful thing. Like the, the, the amount that you pay, which is $40 less than the, than the, uh, Nintendo Wii, or I'm sorry, the, the Nintendo switch is, um, their Steam Deck or whatever it's called, that's beautiful. It's big, it's bulky. Yeah. It's exactly what you expect from an Xbox thing. Um, but it's, I thought it's about a Steam Deck. So I uh, and the, you know what the thing that stopped me is is that I have an Xbox and I play it like of the three systems, it's the one that I play the least because it's the one that has the least titles that I'm intrigued yeah. by. Yeah. Um, they're great about indie games though. Like they're, they're my place to go because I, I have a, I have an, I don't have a disc version. Like my PS five is a disc version, of course, because, um, it's one of the first iterations. It's like, I got it within the first six months of, of PlayStation. Like I got it. I think the, the, the Christmas, the Christmas that it was released in like the September at like released in September that Christmas, I got it. Um, and, you know, of course, like any first iteration, it's always the best. Like, I know that I'll have this for at least five years um, or at least five more years because it's like, you know, they're always well built. The first ones are always the well built ones. It's always the slim down versions that have problems. Yep. Right. But I only have a non-disc streaming, basically a streaming version of the Xbox X. But. I mean, like their indie games are beyond reproach, and it's it's great because their subscription service always caters to those games, so I can always get those indie games on there, and they're always fun because they're like four hour to seven hour games that you can just like you know if you're intrigued by them, uh, like you know they make it for like a really like it's like a really great experience, right? But things that are bigger, like I I have my PS Five and I have my switch those are the those are the things that i'm more interested in with banner games like even the loss of modern warfare on ps5 doesn't shake me at all because i'm not a i'm, I'm not a first person i'm not a first person shooter like arena guy like i know there's lots of people that are like that and i'm just not i just you know sniping dudes and stabbing dudes it's just like i i don't care it doesn't matter to me like catch the flag like all the halo stuff like that all of that oh, unreal... I was big halo for a long time <laughs> i like the games i just didn't like the arena stuff like the yeah. arena stuff like the game stuff was awesome like um that was awesome i loved the game stuff like the first three halo games i think i was like in i was like this is fucking awesome master chief forever 
Um, and even the storyline, it was like, you know, now I just fucking turn on Avatar and basically watch the same goddamn thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, Cameron again, like, you yeah. know, I mean, the, like Halo, Halo is such a, has such a hard on for James Cameron. It's actually quite funny. Like when you read, when you, if you've ever watched or replayed the first three ones, they're so embedded into the Cameron Londia, it's funny. It's almost funny. It's like, oh, so where's where where the hell is where the hell is Colonel Quartich talking about yeah. like getting rid of the get, getting rid of the alien species um, and eating your eyeballs for jujubes um, like jujubes. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, just all to say like Xbox, Xbox and PS, they have their like. I feel like PS Five is the Ferrari, right? Like they are the, they are the Lamborghini. They're like, you know, their console is everything. Right. And then games come to them. So like, you know, the games that are beefy, meaty games, like the Spider-Man, the, I mean, I mean, hell, aren't we both? Like, I feel like when Logan finally drops or Wolverine finally drops, that's the thing that's going to get you to buy a PS5 because yeah. it's the kind of thing or whichever comes first. I don't know which, if it's going to be Spider-Man two, or Wolverine that comes out first because they're both from the same stu uh, studio. They're both from Insomniac. Um, whoever comes out first, whatever it is, I guarantee that's the one that gets Logan to buy a PS5 because yeah. at that point, that will be the hook. Um, and then Nintendo is all about the gameplay. Like I know it's weird, but it's the gameplay, right? Like it's the like the the graphics are not the best, but they're in they're lovable it's, it's and so beautiful. it's so secondary man that i like yeah it, like breath of the wild is uh gorgeous like tears of the kingdom yeah. looks gorgeous but like it, it it doesn't look like um like spider-man you know it doesn't no it, you know it, it's it's so different and so secondary it just has to be like it just has to look great it does not have to mm -hmm. look like holy shit it's like i'm playing a real life character <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> um no absolutely so uh uh moving like sharp left turn from that what like what are you watching because okay so let, let's do this um <laughs> so yesterday i watched I watched two, two, like two very different movies. Both, <laughs> like, both are like. Are they both called on, White Men like, Can't Jump? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I, one was called White Men Can't Jump, and the other one was a movie about cars and beefy meaty guys, and you know, like, like the like. Fast X is just ridiculous, dude. It is a telenovela for dude bros that love MMA. That's it. That's what it is. It's like, if there was ever a movie that was like, you know, it's funny because it's like, I always think like at the end of the movie, like I, I, I full well expect Fast X brought to you by Monster Energy Drink. Like literally <laughs> that's what it is, right? Like this is a fucking movie that had, that, that has like seven different storylines for for like mo like for like twenty characters, and they all kind of make sense, but it's all just kind of like weirdly wild short movies that are all like 
bastardized, put together. Like, there's one that has John Cena in a 5.0 Mustang with a tape deck sitting there with a kid who's supposedly his his nephew. And oh, by the way, this is all fucking spoilers, guys. I'm gonna ruin Fast X, okay? Because I don't. That's care. okay. There's two more coming. <laughs> yes, there's literally two more part. Fast X Part 2 and Fast X Part 3. And when I tell you the re- like, I know why they're doing this. Because it's already, like, Fast X Part 2, I feel, is going to be the movie that doesn't starve Vin Diesel. Because of the way that they end this fucking movie. Okay, but getting back to the John Cena of it all. This motherfucker is in a 5.0 Mustang, a turquoise one. Because, you know, it's got to be extra extra, right? a beater of a 5.0 Mustang from like 1992 with a tape deck where he puts in a tape uh, where he puts in a tape that what comes on, but the most 90s song of all time, fucking Marky Mark and the funky bunch. <laughs> with vibration, where uh, this proceeds to do a dance that isn't peacemaker. I wish it was the peacemaker dance, but it's literally all he doesn't do is the, you, you can't see me part of of the John Cena dance. That's and I awesome. only think that he I only think he didn't do it because you know you're John Cena and you don't do you can't see me because yeah. it's already done. It's been memified, right? So like you don't I guarantee you they asked him to do it. And he was like, you want to pay me another 10 million dollars, I'll do it, but I ain't doing it here. And they're like, no, we don't want John Cena. But like literally it has that it they're like there's, I don't even know, bro. Like this stuff is just wild. It's just, it just, it, like I said, it's a telenovela for 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 dude bros that love MMA because, like, literally, and this literally has no consequences. So, like, at the end of the movie, it's not just Dwayne the Rock Johnson that's coming back. Who actually, okay, do you remember what his whole big thing was in the movie? Like, his whole character trait? It, like, beyond I, the sweaty I, greasiness of it. I, I honestly don't know if I made it that far into the <laughs> Fast <laughs> franchise. <laughs> he, he uses, he uses like, he says the word son of a bitch, but he uses it as, like, some bitch. Like, that's how he says it, right? Literally, he comes back, unmasks himself, and says, like, after, like, I, uh, like you know, it's no surprise that Jason Momoa is, like, the best part of the movie. But, like, and he literally plays the dude bro version of the Joker. That's what he does. Like, Heath Ledger's Joker, he's an agent of chaos. Um, all because because his dad died, who's played by Joaquin uh, De La Mida. He's the, I, people very trashily calls him the Latino Har- Phil Hartman. Um, but he's, like, you know, he's, like, that main drug dealer guy that you get yeah. in every single fucking thing. Um, that's plays his dad, right? Um, but like he's done all the bad deeds, and he calls up fucking The Rock, and then like you know he takes over. He's like, I'm coming after you, so much, and he like crushes the cell phone. There was the, the theater was pretty packed for a two o'clock showing for this three hour fucking movie. Literally, I've I haven't heard cheers like that since fucking Avengers. Uh, like you know, on your uh, on your six. Yeah. Like, you, you would think- <laughs> It was like the Einstein clip from fucking the the the, the stupid thing that we're seeing from fucking Oppenheimer, where yeah. people put the, the 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 audio whenever Einstein shows up because it's not real because 
fucking people don't know who Einstein is anymore, especially the fucking retards that are watching. Sorry. Getting too far. I'm getting too but, but anyways, um, when he shows up, it goes crazy. But here's not, here's the better part. This is where I know there's no consequences in this is that at the end, guys, I'm going to ruin something that has not been particularly ruined yet. So don't like, you can turn this off whenever you want to. The 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 biggest groan for me, but it was so shocking to everybody else in the theater. There literally was gas, bro. Is when this giant submarine comes out of the uh, out of the comes out of the Antarctic, uh, like the Antarctic shelf. Yes, this is a movie that goes to fucking Antarctica. I mean, the last one comes was out space, right? So <laughs> yeah, just so you know, yeah, nothing's not possible anymore. And do you know who comes out? Because she's no longer fucking Wonder Woman. Fucking Gal Gadot comes out and is like, hey, I'm okay. Yeah, I was wondering if they would find a way to get her back. Because that was one yeah. of her earlier like film successes was in... Which one was she in? The fifth one? Um, no, she was in Fourth four, one? five. Four, five, and six. Okay. Four, yeah. five, and six. Thor um, might be where I stopped because, like, okay. so all of this, like everything we're seeing, has to do with Fast Five, right? That's the yes. bank robbery or, or what, yes. whatever it is, where they drag like the drug giant, giant yes. things through the street. Like those cars can't haul that. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> you need you need trucks for those things, like. I know. Yes. This is what uh, I work in. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> I don't care what your engine can do. Your frame can't handle that. Exactly. Um, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, I, I think I've seen bits and pieces of all the other ones. And I may have seen the one where... Uh, Michelle Rodriguez comes back because, like, she six. dies, right? And then, yeah, turns out she well, didn't she die six. in the explosion. She, like, yes, yeah, it's, it's, I've, I remember yeah, that. So, either, yeah, so either I listened to a podcast that explained all of it or I watched one of the movies, I'm not sure which. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, so yeah, like, like, as soon as they started bringing people back is when you know that they've literally jumped the shark or jumped the tank or whatever you want to call it. Even Marvel doesn't do this. Like I know. It's yes. and, and those are <laughs> superhero comic book characters. These motherfuckers, like it's just oh no, they're not dead. You're right. That is some telenovela shit. <laughs> it really is. Like literally Gal Gadot, like there were gas. And I was like, I fucking rolled my eyes and I was like, you know what? And you know what I thought? I think it's something that I texted you. The DCEU's hierarchy has shifted and it's benefited the fucking Fast and Furious fucking franchise. Yeah. Uh, because they're both, because we both know the hatchet was buried, not over like, you know, you need to be creative family. Yeah. No, it's 
Dwayne The Rock Johnson is about to make $25 million plus first dollar gross because they know they need him in the Fast franchise. Um, Gal Gadot. He he needs the Fast franchise, you know? (laughs) He needs the franchise. He needs the franchise because he needs to come back and be sweaty man, uh, beefy meaties again to like bring it back and go, yeah. Between this and Jumanji 2, I guarantee you 2024 is going to be The Rock's reascension to the top of the list. And then yeah. by 2025, and, and Moana. When, when Moana, well, Moana is 2025. When okay. that shit gets, that will be the biggest fucking movie of that year. I guarantee you The Rock is on a mission now. He's, he, he's done fucking around and trying to do whatever he was trying to do. He wants to be back as like the big... Arnold swinging whatever you want to call it uh, of of the uh, of of stardom right like he's going back to basics but like it's just like there's no consequences like literally okay so like at the end of the movie fucking Dominic and his son like escape escape the and this is the best part Momoa's name is Dante in the movie and he's constantly talking about hell and he and Dante, his big first act as like supremo villain is to blow up the Vatican. How fucking yeah. on the nose stupid do you have to get? Um, obviously, very stupid, right? Because it's supposed to has to be on the nose. Um, this is a movie that uses Rita Moreno as Vin Diesel's mother. Okay, let me repeat that. Vin Diesel's mother is played by Rita Moreno. But not to mention that John Cena is his brother. So whatever, like, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Logic out the fucking door. The but, fucking like, cast for the next movie is going to be ridiculous, man. Yes, it is. Like, all for this three-part ending of a saga that really isn't going to end. Like, we already know what's going to happen. This is Vin Diesel's retirement account. What he's going to do is show up in these movies until he dies, but he's going to have a new set of people, like younger people. Like it's already started, right? Because they have that fast and furious animated series that are about a little bunch of little kids going on adventures that he produces. Like he is very involved in that guys. Like I know because I like, I've read up on it. He is very like the fast franchise is like, is like what he wanted the Riddick franchise to be, but he didn't. So I didn't know Natalie uh, Emanuel was in this movie. I oh, love yeah, her, man. She is. She's one of my favorite parts of Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Melisandre? Uh, um, <laughs> let's not talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I might get Scott Eastwood is in this? <laughs> Dude, Scott Eastwood plays the son of fucking Kurt Russell in this fucking movie. They didn't even get Scott. Like, this is how s- fucking shitty this is. Okay. <laughs> you could have got Kurt Bring- Russell's son. <laughs> That's what I'm fucking saying, dude. So, okay, so Scott Eastwood plays uh, plays his son. Do you know who plays his daughter? Brie Larson. Why? I don't know because it's fucking Brie Larson because she showed up for five minutes. Was even in a Fast and the Furious movie because I didn't see it. But yeah, I remember (laughs) him in the trailers now. Me going, oh shit, I like Kurt Russell. Maybe I should see that, and then never seeing it. Uh, Alan, Alan Richson is a dude that we've been talking about forever. Yes, um, and I and mean, he gets his, he gets a, he gets a role, dude. Like, like he gets a great like. So, like, his role is oh, okay. He's kind of sort of a good guy, but not really. He ends up turning out to be one of like 
the Momoa's like right hand man. Like this is a movie that's three hours long. That the first fifteen minutes of the movie is basically Fast Five. Final fifteen minutes. Pete Davidson like, is in this. Sneaky Pete shows up as a as a little rat. Okay. Like he plays as a little rat. Like like he literally comes in and his whole purpose is to have his little Peter Davidson little fucking Rooker shit is in shit this. Um. Yes. Rooker plays. Uh. Rooker plays the dude that the dude the dude that kills that that Dominic Toretto feels is responsible for his father's death. This is like that was from Fast Nine. Like, dude, this shit okay. gets so, like it is literally. This is literally a telenovela, dude. This is how we're dealing. Like, this is what. Okay, so this my is, summer is going to be starting with Fast and the Furious and just going through these movies, I guess. <laughs> dude, you are going to howl with laughter at how we The cast is, like, I don't care about this, but, like, this cast list is insane, man. Yes. Like, uh, like, <laughs> like and, but, I mean, also, these people, like, it's a showcase for action. So like these guys, if like these are the these are like Alan Richardson, right? Like you get him because you've kind of seen the action stuff that he's done, but this is like an introduction for everybody to him and his specificness, right? Because you know we we you and I already know about him, and we know that he's like that old school. He's like an old school throwback, right? He's like The Rock or John Cena. So like he's like in the staple of like what I call beef, like <laughs> my wife calls them beefy meaties. They're like bulldogs, right? Like bulldogs yeah. are like just beefy and they're meaty and they kind of walk around with a tough gait. That's literally all these dudes. Like she calls them that all the time. She goes, Oh, it's the beefy meaty movie. And I'm like, what? Oh yeah. The fast movie. Yeah. Like that's what she was saying. She was like, okay, we'll have fun with this, the manly man movie and the beefy meaties. I'm like, okay, I will. Um, because that's all they have in these movies. And it, like, it's great because they get to act so macho, you would think that you're entangling cash. Like literally, some of the like the, the lines that they I have do love tango on cash. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, but I mean, like the best part about this is that Momoa, like they just let him do whatever he wants. He is basically Jason Momoa. Like, you know, like how like he plays tough guys in movies, but like in real life, he's this dude that wears pink. He loves scrunchies. He loves hair clips. Um, he loves like he loves like traversing the masculine, feminine like borders, right? Yeah. And what is acceptable. He's very artistic. He makes artisanal like I don't know if you know this, but he makes artisanal axes. I actually looked into actually maybe possibly getting one because it's like a Momoa made fucking axe. That's like fucking yeah. awesome. That's Thousands cool. of dollars, of course. <laughs> He, he has his own gin, but like literally they just let him play Momoa. There's a, there's a scene where I, he's I've heard. killed. <laughs> Is this the nail Dude. painting thing? Yes. Yeah. He fucking killed motherfuckers. And then he's sitting there painting their toenails, talking to them while their duct taped eyes and noses are like turned up. And I'm like, this motherfucker is a genius. Like somebody told me that they should actually really seriously consider pushing him for a supporting actor nomination because he is so, it is so off the, the rails that I don't disagree with them. 
because it is that <laughs> like like you watch Ben Diesel look at Jason Momoa and his strutting and his in his lavender lavender like silk pajamas and he's sauntering around shaking his hips you can tell it's Vin Diesel's real reaction like family what's happening here I don't know he's big but he's kind of acting feminine like he literally <laughs> you can see his brain breaking a little in this scene he's so macho but he's so pretty <laughs> <laughs> exactly he's like has mustache but has curly beautiful hair does not compute family help like literally you see his brain crack and you can see the people around him going this motherfucker is crazy like not crazy in the way that he's going to kill people but like crazy and like wow they're bringing this to the fast franchise which to me is like the goal right like i sat there laughing while like i looked around and i was like oh shit people are really confused by this they don't really know i guess they don't know that momoa is like this like i honestly did not realize that people didn't realize that momoa wasn't fucking dude bro uh yeah uh, uh, aquaman that's like a creation made by Zack snyder of who he thought fucking jason momoa was um it's fucking wild dude it's fucking wild. This, this is like, like I said, this is a telenovela for dudes that like, that like, dudes that like cars, fucking, and beefy meaty and wrestling and MMA and monster energy dreams. It's literally Kyle the movie. <laughs> Except for, instead of busting drywall, they're busting dudes and cars. Like, the car stuff is actually ridiculous. Like, you literally sit there watching it and laugh because it's stupid. It just doesn't make sense. It's literally the Marvel movies are more based in reality than the Fast movies are. Yeah, and that's saying a lot. Um, I so yeah. I mean, it it's probably gonna make a shit ton of money. So um, we'll see if it can beat Guardians though, because I, I would not have thought Guardians is gonna have the legs that it's having. But uh, good on oh, it, man. Second week. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean... Like, I mean, it, so it's we, one of the lowest Marvel drops for a second weekend. Like, behind, yeah. like, maybe the... Well, no, the Avengers drop-offs were always huge because they always made so much fucking money <laughs> in the first week. It's like, yeah, it's going to drop 50 to 60% because everybody went to go see it the first week. But, uh, yeah, that Guardians is having some legs. It makes me happy. Um, I, yeah. I'm... I'm I'm trying to plan a fourth screening for myself, <laughs> which is oh, ridiculous. Damn, um, that is uh, ridiculous, but you know, but you know what? That's kind of great. Like, I knew that it could have legs. Like, that was the thing that I kind of, I kind of thought because, and here's the big because, is it just hits the heart, like yeah. right, like like that's the thing is that it hits the heart hard, and you know. Just because, like, they're like, it's the difference between an Ant Man movie and a Guardians movie, right? Like, I think that people often forget they want to just shit on everything and then just have this whole thing of, of, oh well, you know, guess what? Um, we we like, you know, like, you know, like, there, there's all these pundits around there that say that if a movie doesn't open like, like fucking um, like an Avengers movie and stays like an Avengers movie that it's a failure. And that's just not the case um, because it's not because 
No movie is an Avengers movie. Not everything can be an Avengers movie. Um, but also, I feel like, to me at least, the emotions that came out of out of this movie, out of Guardians, is a lot less. It's a lot more genuine as opposed to like, and not as emotionally manipulative as I feel like the that Endgame and Infinity War were. And I think that when you see that genuine reaction and people start talking about it, I feel like it's a word of mouth thing, right? Like, who would have thought that a Marvel movie would be down, would be like something that people are like shit on and not like actively try to make not succeed, but it's such a wonderful film that actually, it's actually like kind of like an, it weirdly, I hate saying this, but an underdog? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, the perception yeah. is, is like, ever, like, the first reviews were very middling. They're like, oh, yeah, it's bleh. Or it's great. Like, there was no in-between. And I feel like it's not in-between. It's kind of, it's not a 10. But then again, it's not a 5. It's like an 8 to a 9, realistically, if we think about it. But at an 8 or a 9, for a Marvel movie, that's a big thing recently because as we've talked about, not all Marvel movies are created equal. And yeah. especially recently they've, we've liked them, but we, we've never associated a grade on them. But I I'm saying like the Marvel movies recently with the exception of the Spider-Man movies, which are really not like, they're really not a part of the MCU in my, in my estimation. Yeah. They're such a, like a, a, they're there, but like you can't, you can't count them, <laughs> kind of yeah. thing. So, um, uh, so a couple of names that came up in the Fast uh, X Ten, whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, Alan Richson was in Titans. Titans actually just finished uh its series, which mm -hmm. I I burned through the last episodes this week. I, I was I I was pretty disappointed in this last season. I got it. Oh man! After um, after you've been after you've been so high on them, yeah. Um, it started out great. It started out great, but like it just went downhill fast for me. Is it the quality of the scripts, or is it did they just not have a good hook this so, season? Uh, for it's the hook for me. It's the the villain. So I mean, the the overall the big villain for the season is Brother mm -hmm. Blood, and I know oh. Brother Blood has a huge like it's a big thing in the comics, but it just it never interested me. And I thought maybe this show would I would like feel like okay, I get why people are into the like the Brother Blood stuff versus the Titans things, and just. It honestly brought it right back around to Raven shit. And I was like, oh. this, this is what I didn't like about season one, man. Like, uh, it just, um, I love Raven. And I think the actress is great. I think they do a good mm -hmm. job with the character. It's just like every fucking thing revolves around Raven and her powers and her dad. And it just, uh, I, I, I was disappointed. Um, but uh, yeah, Titans is done, um, and Pete Davidson has a fucking show on Peacock. Yes, we briefly brought it up last week. 
Bubkis. I I I binged it. I I okay. watched two of the episodes and went eh, and then I started the third episode and then just finished the show. <laughs> okay, so I have to ask a couple things. Um okay, so you watched it. Um did it get better or did it just stay as a flat line? It it is a roller coaster and not in not in terms of quality in terms of like Uh what the fuck he's trying to say with this show because sometimes it very much feels like and i say this as somebody who watched entourage sometimes it just feels like entourage where it's like okay yeah like this is like Oh, these dudes just being dudes and, you know, mm-hmm. oh, look at him. He's crazy. He does lots of drugs, uh, you know, talks about his penis all the time. Eh, yeah, it, it's, you know, he's got all these hangers on. and But then there'll be episodes uh, where it's like not just about that or it's showing the mm-hmm. like flip side of like, yeah, I went out and partied and did lots of drugs, but like. Also, you know, somebody I I thought was really, really close to me is selling information to the tabloids and it kind of fucks up his life and just uh, stuff like that. It it does a really good job of painting that full picture. And I don't like Pete Davidson, but I will give him credit for this. He is not shy about making him his life specifically look as like ugly selfish stupid like all the negative stuff that that you would be like yeah i don't like that guy man because like he's scuzzy he's like he brings all of that up like there's no like i'm gonna there's no ego to it like it is okay. egotistical, but not in the not in the rock way of like I have to come out of this looking good or the Vin Diesel way. It's like it's egotistical because it's like this is all about me, and so, but I'm gonna show you everything, everything. Okay. Um. So my main my main like interest in this is Edie Falco and um and Joe Pesci. And how did they, are they a bigger part of it? Or are they eh, just cameos, basically, essentially? Um, no, they're a huge part of it. Um, okay. They're, uh, Edie Falco, especially. Um, she, she's great, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if Pete Davidson's mom is really like this, but if she is, like... Uh, I don't know. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing that he he has a supportive mom who puts up with all of the shit that uh, she puts up with. Okay. All right. Absolutely. Um. Uh. Is it worth? Is it worth my time? Like you know, like we've talked about Mrs. Davis and and um, not Davison but Mrs. Davis, the TV show. And we've been kind of talking offline about it. And you told, you told me some stuff that's going to make me like finish the, finish it, like, you know, like finish it up this weekend. We'll have a a larger conversation next week about Mrs. Davis. Um, But 
not on that level, but is it worth the time for me to like actually invest into Bubkiss? Like, I, or is it just one of those things where it's like, uh, watch or beware? I, I think it's worth it. Um, like, it's really hard to say. Sorry for the blaring alarm if no, you can hear it. It's noon. Um, so, I think it's worth it. It is very much a uh, live-action BoJack Horseman. So, okay. That makes, that makes, definitely makes sense. Okay. So, it, it, it's, like, it's, it is cartoony at times. Like, there, there's this, there's this really great episode uh, where Pete's like, he needs money or he wants to work, something. And he has to go to Florida because, it, it, it's funny, I think it, it's actually a Vin Diesel thing. He's like, uh, um, I, I have to go to Vin Diesel's niece's birthday party and make an appearance. Like, cause she loves me. Uh, and so I, he's doing it as a favor to Vin or Vin's not in it, but, um, it's this whole thing. And they get down to Florida and he has his like right hand man. And like the, this dude's job is to make sure Pete does not get off task. Don't let him, you know, cause he will, he'll, he'll find a, a local drug dealer, get a bunch of shit, get himself into some trouble. Like your job is to make sure he does what he's supposed to do. And it's like this guy watching this guy's like nervous breakdown. <laughs> like he cannot fucking keep Pete Davidson from doing dumb shit. <laughs> oh God. Oh, uh, that sounds like it could be greatness or like that definitely sounds like the definition of buyer beware or yeah. viewer beware. Like if you're into it, you're into it. If you're you not, you gotta be really able to not. Pete Davidson, which is not something I thought I could do because I really don't like him. But also I, the, the first time I tried to watch Bojack, I was like, I don't like this guy. He's a piece of shit. And then, like, the more you watch, you're like, oh, I get it. That's the point, is that he's a piece of shit. <laughs> yep. That, 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 like, it's like Curb Your Enthusiasm, right? Like, like you can, you can, like, Curb Your Enthusiasm is totally, like, your, your enjoyment of it is going to be based off of how much uncomfortable, how uncomfortable you can get. And if you find humor in, in the uncomfortableness, but also how you feel about Larry David as an entity, Larry David, right? Right. Like, because like, as we all know, Larry David is the, is, is the model for George Costanza, but George Costanza is like, it, it sounds weird saying this is the edges shaved off version of Larry David, but Larry David in Curb Your Enthusiasm is the shave, like is the shaved edges to a sharp, fucking point that if you don't like that kind of person and you don't like that kind of stuff then you're going to hate Curb Your Enthusiasm and so it sounds like Buckus is basically Curb Your Enthusiasm by way of of Pete Davidson's life yeah I, I mean it okay. really is um, I, I, I do think it's worth it for the other performances and the guest stars uh, 
it is fucking filled. Uh, Ray Romano shows up repeatedly doing some not typical Ray Romano stuff that that just makes me laugh every time. Um, Joe Pesci is like this is like top of his career level work, um, and yeah, I I think it's worth it. It's not a huge time commitment, um, so yeah. If you can get through the first few episodes and and be okay with Pete Davidson, then I think it's fine. But like, again, it it really is dependent on how much you can stomach Pete Davidson. <laughs> okay, so we we understand this all too well. Um, all right, well, um, it was something I'll, I'll give it a chance because I may not be the biggest uh, Sneaky Pete uh, fan, but I I'm. I mean, Edie Falco and Joe Pesci, and then I saw Barbie Carnival is in it. Like oh, these are yeah. people. These yeah. are people that I really fucking like. Like I really like these people. Um, and uh, I like these people as a as as a whole as actors. Um, I mean, shit, Brad Garrett is in it. Oh yes. man, si- Bra- was, Simon Rex. Yeah, it dude the the people he gets it's it's insane. He must, like, is scuzzy and is shitty, but, but, like, he puts it all all out there. Like, mm-hmm. uh, maybe, and maybe that's why, is that he's honest about all of his bullshit. And so, like, even though it's a little, it makes it cringy, like, just mm-hmm. the fact that he is, you know, people just seem to want to work with him. So, you know, James mm-hmm. Gunn certainly likes working with him. So yeah, um, no, I don't absolutely. Know. I I do think he could grow into like if he doesn't fucking get himself killed doing dumb shit, he could grow into somebody who who isn't bad. Like uh, might maybe even a like truly great actor, one of those like that transcends, you know, kind of Bill Murray esque. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe not that level, and I know Bill Murray's problematic, but you know, yeah, he went from like the goofy dude who was on Saturday Night Live to like he's you know he's a well-regarded actor, even if he's problematic. So um, no, you're you're and you're absolutely right, and um, th- you know it's weird enough to think about it, but if we really kind of do, you can kind of see the the path where it's not surprising if Pete ends up if he like you said if he doesn't kill himself with drugs and all the other shit that he does um along with his like mixture of mental health issues that maybe he might end up being one of those guys that like turns it around and ends up being somebody who's who makes like meaningful work and does meaningful things in the industry and is not yeah. just a punchline to a joke. Um, and you're there's, right, like, Gunn likes him, and that's that's a thing of quality. There's a really great uh, scene where he has to, he's at, like, this banquet or something, and fucking Al Gore introduces him. It's pretty oh, funny. Shit, really? <laughs> yes, it's pretty funny. Um... But uh, it, yeah, it, I I do think if you if you like BoJack, it's worth mm-hmm. giving it a shot because you know, like like with BoJack, where it's like, oh, okay, so once you get through the like, I don't like the main character, you understand that like 
it's all about like exploring that like this like is he a bad person does he just make bad choices like the trauma i mean it it gets really into and that's the other thing i don't know if my dad was pete davidson's dad that i would want anybody ever fucking talking about it you know and yeah he does keep talking about it which i knew i know some people can see as like oh he's milking the tragedy of how he lost his father the 9 11 attacks and like he's milking it to get attention but like the flip side of that is is he because like yes it is getting him attention and he is using it for both comedy and drama but also like how who the fuck is who are we to tell him how to deal with all this what does that do to you you know he exactly he wasn't 22 when his dad died he was like fucking six it's like and it goes through all that like all these people like talking about how great his dad was but then like his family clearly was having issues and like I, i i don't know how true all of it is but it does seem like he put as much into it as he could without probably really pissing some people off you know um it's it's interesting it's certainly certainly interesting there are parts of it that are really fucking funny the the episode where they go to florida i don't remember what episode it is there's such cartoonish shit in that that it's worth watching for that like there's a big chase with like bazookas and shit and it's just like is this fucking happening like it's so weird man um but yeah i i think i i think you would get you specifically would get some enjoyment out of it um you just might have to get past the first few episodes and and, uh the the last episode is very much like that's when i was like oh shit this is bojack like because it gets into some really like heavy shit so um okay uh, John Mulaney shows up and and talks a lot, oh. you know, because he recently uh, he came out, started coming out about his struggles with drug addiction. Yes, and, and everybody was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> we did not think that that's something that was going on in your life because you seem kind of well put together. Um, and he had to go to rehab, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of good stuff in it. Um, Peacock Man. It's become my like go-to streaming thing. Like the, there's, there's a lot of shit on there, but there's I'm finding so many good gems on Peacock. It's it's crazy. It, absolutely, like that's um, like Peacock is definitely like has upped its game in a big big way. Not just with that, like not just with original content, but like every couple of weeks whenever universal has brought out a movie they're they're dropping that shit on onto peacock um like i'm full well expecting a couple of movies like i mean we know mario brothers is probably going to be there by the end of june uh or by the by sometime in june and i mean renfield should be dropping any minute uh which is something i'm looking forward to um but then their their original content but then also not just that but their availability with the nbc stuff is like truly great like like to be able to have like that stuff with, like available to you next day or the day of, I think 
it's kind of great. Like I'm like, we've talked about this before. I'm very pro Peacock um, because it's just, it's a good, it's a good smattering of content. Like the, the right stuff is on there constantly. And, and, and they have live, live options too. Like that's yes. the, the, they kind of took the, the model that like some of those free things were doing like uh Tubi and stuff like that where it's like yep. oh no we're, we're creating we create channels or we, we just import mm-hmm. our existing live feeds into this um uh, something that um a service we talk about a lot has managed to not fucking do which i get like if it's on hbo you can just start it wherever on hbo max but or max um but i, I don't know there is something about the like the live feed option you know um, oh, yeah. not, have it, not having to choose you know where it's just like oh yes. no I click this and it just just continues to play um so speaking of Max I I texted you this I I got I was like well I know True Detective season four is coming I know they have nothing to really do with each other but I never watched season three and so Ryan kept telling me how good it was I was like I'm I'm you know I'm feeling some you know, true detective kind of way. So I booted up episode one of true detective season three and then proceeded to watch the whole season in two days. Cause Holy fuck. What a season. And everybody has fucking like everybody. And like Mahershala Ali is so fucking good, and like the way that it's the way that it parallels itself, which is lost, and so it lost everything. This one feels like kept like. Like you were seeing your coming in and fucking nailing it. Yeah. Stephen Dorff might be top five underrated actors working today. Like, I I did, I I went back and was just looking at his, his IMDb page and like, there's a lot of shit I haven't seen, um, but like yeah, he just does not get the fucking credit that he deserves, man. He's so fucking good. Watching him play, both of them, watching them play these two characters, which I, I know, it, it like, it, they did that with the formula in season one, too. I guess they did in season two, uh, like, playing with, like, time. Like going back and forth in these characters' lives. Season two, I don't really remember that well because I really like at, by the second or third episode, I was like, I do not give a shit about this. It is not interesting. Um, but like McConaughey and um, Harrelson in season one, they're great, but like they always just seem like e- e- younger version, younger them seems like them older them like it, it does like it's just like them but older like yeah it didn't feel like weighty with that sense of time McConaughey may be a little bit because like he gets more disheveled 
when when it's the older version of him but this goes through like very specific periods of these these men's lives in or you know across this case but like these kind of like well-seasoned detective partners when when they're investigating this crime in the 80s um literally i think it's 1980 um and then so they're just coming off the 70s so it's not like full-on like 80s 80s you know it's still it does have that like 70s grit to it and and they they look the part but then like when you get to them in the 90s the way they age them up like i don't know it just has a lot more weight to it to me and then the the 2015 uh versions of them like i i don't know man they're they both do such a good fucking job of carrying the weight of that time you know absolutely absolutely like the way that they transition from that the 80s the i think it's 1980 1990 and then like you said present time which would have been 2015 or something like or like it was like like it's like 2015 2016 or something like that um the way that they did that like it's almost like mahershala led and dorf met him at the level at which he was he was like oh it's this kind of shit i need yeah. to up my game and you can tell it's not just like you said it's not just costume play like there's a real like mahershala ali does, does this weird thing with his posture in the, yeah. in the show yep that you can so that you automatically even before you see his face it like if you see a shot of him walking, you know exactly the time period's in. Yep. Because it's different. It's a. But then the the the, the, the awesome part is is that Dorf and the rest of the cast kind of follow suit in the physicality of it, um, so that it's subtle. It's not a like it's not a jokey thing. Like you know, there's sometimes where I watch actors and I'm like, what the fuck? Are are you playing a Saturday Night Live skit? Get this it, shit together. So if you watch something like. Um... What what's the Johnny Knoxville thing where he dresses up like the old man? Oh, uh, bad grandpa. Yeah, which okay, yeah. but and I get it, like that's a jokey thing, but like, it, like it's just Johnny Knoxville, like as like dressed up like an old man. He's trying to move like an old man, but it looks so comical that yes. that you're just you know you're like uh okay. Where in this, it's just like he does like he. He gets those mannerisms down so well, and, and dealing with the the the, I don't think they ever full on come out and say Alzheimer's, but dealing yeah. with like the early stages of that with the character, and I, I, I he had to I, I mean no doubt in my mind he he dove in and he studied a lot of that stuff so that he could get it right it's fucking heartbreaking the scene where he's sitting uh it's the 2015 version of him and he's sitting in his wife's office and he's going through all that paperwork and then he starts hearing the voices and then it's almost like a stage play but like the the background goes dark and then all of these people just start stepping into the room 
and you can barely see them and you're just hearing like this whispering it's i was like that's fucking terrifying that's more terrifying than most things i've seen that are specifically designed to be terrifying in a horror movie and this is just basically like oh this is what it's like when you start dealing with this you know and it's it's so fucking well done like so well done i i was blown away i i'm telling like i know people loved season one i did too i think season one was great this is fucking better i would not i'm not going to fight you on that because it's it's deeper in a way and more more complex in a way that the first season isn't it's like the first season is super flashy but this is like this is like this is like it gets into your system it's like it's like a root like it's like this like weed that like permeates everything in the show and it's it's got i feel like there's a lot more emotion in this show than in the first season like emotion is in like connection to to them and like like here's like i was going to ask you how did you feel there's two specific actors that i i found that if when you watch this you come away with like oh he really should have a bigger career is ray fisher playing i uh, I was gonna bring that up so you know not that i ever thought ray fisher's like bluster about dc and how he was treated i never thought it was like false i'm not gonna say that but like i i you know there we do wonder like uh, okay like is part of this just like you're bitter because the movie you signed up for a movie that sucked and now your career isn't great because of it but like he's so good that there's no fucking way he like a bad movie should not have sunk this this guy this career yeah, and this career at all. It's it's like uh, Michael B. Jordan levels, you mm-hmm. know. Michael B. You know, Michael B. Jordan is good enough that we talk about Fantastic Four or Fan Four Stick or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but not in the like, yeah, man, Michael B. Jordan could have been great. He did that one shitty movie. Nobody fucking talked about that, man. Nobody talks oh. about that because that's how good Michael B. Jordan is. I think Ray Fisher is that good too. I I think that he probably got mistreated like even worse than he talks about and unfortunately because he stood his ground on that shit that's he's right that's why his career is suffering not because he was in a bad movie but because he got mistreated and called attention to it and so now studios are scared to work with him because oh if something goes wrong we're going to get a bunch of bad publicity which fucking sucks because he's not wrong like yes he was in a shitty movie but like he was just like john boyega it's just like yeah man i i this is not what the fuck i signed up for like you know so uh, he somebody needs to to get this kid uh, or well he's not a kid get get this guy and I don't know, put him in something, man. Fucking Kevin Foggy, call Ray Fisher. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, man. He's so fucking good. And what 
really is, I mean, across eight episodes, 12 minutes of screen time. I mean, maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe 20 minutes yeah. of screen time. Not a lot, maybe. but, but it, it's so, it's so impactful. Yeah. It's so impactful. Um, the same way that, uh, man, Scoot McMeary continues to do like work that is just not appreciated because he's so different from movie to movie. He's the one that plays the, the, yeah. the, the father, Tom Purcell, yeah. uh, the father of the, of the two missing girls in question in the movie or in the show um, a movie. And like, it, it literally feels like a movie when you watch I, it. It's, it's dude, epic. if I hadn't, I had to fucking go to bed. I would have watched I, like, by the time I got to the second episode, I was like, Oh mm-hmm. fuck. Like I, I can't stop this until it's over. Like I have to know not just everything about like the missing kids. It was like, yeah. I, I need to know what happened to these people in their lives like how did how did this happen you know it, it's it's yeah and the you know we've talked a lot this episode about great cast but this specific season has a fucking amazing cast man just and, and rooker uh, <laughs> and rooker right at the very end rooker, man. Uh, yep. just coming in and just doing the, this one uh, like little one series of scenes and yeah, yeah it, it's so so fucking good. josh hopkins who is a dude that does not work enough um he plays uh he's the dude from cougar town he plays yes. the, the real shitty dude that's that's interrogating him in in uh 1990 um yes mamie gummer uh playing uh lucy like she's she's great i mean she's she's not her mom but you know yeah. she's good. <laughs> well, I mean, you know how many people are can be the goat, like can yeah. be baby goat. Like, I mean, we all know Jordan. I mean, okay, so for those of you guys that don't know who Mamie Gummer is, she's she's um, a Meryl Streep's daughter. Um, but whenever you see her, she literally looks like a younger version of Meryl, just slightly askew. Um, I'm surprised that they haven't worked together as younger younger Meryl and older Meryl um, because yeah. of how like how similar they look i mean also you've got you've you've got guys like like brett cullen who continues to like like he like like him and john tenney are those guys that you get to play bureaucrats slimy bureaucrats or politicians and they come in and like you know they they soar it's a really interesting way how this kind of this show was cast because i feel like the second one was all about the flash and the bang yep and because it was like oh okay well we did this thing that happened to be a huge hit as i guys hit let's go ahead and just fill it up with a bunch of of stars whereas they went back to the original like kind of brief on the actual show and go let's not just cast like stars let's cast great fucking actors um, like the one that we haven't talked about is uh, Carmen uh, Igogo, who plays uh, who who plays um, what's his name? Is it Hayes? Uh, that's Marshall yeah. Ali's character. His 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 wife, the, the yeah. school teacher. Um, I love her, man. She's fucking great in that. Uh, she's great in that show. Like the like her, like. Mahershala's heartbreak doesn't like the heartbreak of like the character doesn't work without 
her in that role. Like she is so vital to supporting that that particular storyline. Um, it's great. Like that show yeah. that like are you excited for season four? Um with with uh with we got fucking we got another goat coming into this show, Jodie Foster. Yeah, I I mean I I'm I don't know if I, I I'm hopeful for it. I don't know if I want to say I'm excited for it. Um okay. jo- when Jodie Foster is good, she's so fucking good. But I also think when Jodie Foster is not good, it is not good. <laughs> you're you're a hundred percent right. Like she like she has to be engaged. I feel like here, like you do, like I don't know if you um. I, I'm not 100% sure if you, you've, like, actually, uh, you know who um, Isa Lopez is, but I would tell you that before this show starts, watch her, watch her debut feature, which, okay, so, like, here's a weird thing, is that a few people can really get the vibe of a, of a, um, of a Guillermo del Toro movie, right? But she manages with her uh, with her debut feature, uh, "We Are Tigers." To oh, I do want to really, see that. Yeah, it's on Shutter right now. I think still. Um, her fucking like her her for uh, like her her work there is enough for you to go, oh shit, yeah, because she wrote and directed the entire. Like they gave her the kitten caboodle on this one like this alaska-based mystery um show that they, she's created is literally her um it's her invention um i know that pizzolato still is producing but i think that he is more taking a guiding like it's him and barry jenkins that are guiding Lisa lopez and she was allowed to she was allowed to do whatever she fucking wanted but like, listen to the fucking cast. I mean, you've got Jodie Foster, um, you've got John Hawks, Fiona Shaw, and of course the goat Christopher Ellickson, who, like, I don't care what anybody says, like his doctor is the thing that got me to start watching Doctor Who. Like his his reinterpretation of the doctor, like, let us not forget he was the first new doctor in yeah. a decade, um, when he took over and He's just like all of those people kind of make it like this whole thing of like, I really need to see this. Um, and I may need to revisit season three, but damn, like, like season three is a, is a good, uh, is, is a great season. I completely had forgotten about, uh, about it until you had mentioned it. And I was like, right, it I mean, instantly brought it's me been to... like seven years, six years. Yeah. Or... It's been like eight years. No, I think it's 20. Yeah. It's 2019. So it's been, Four years. Four years, yeah. It's, yeah, 2019 is when it was made. Um, so, um, but, I, yeah. I was going to, I want to add the, one, one actor, well, two really. Uh, Michael uh, Graziato, who plays the, mm-hmm. the Dan, the, the uncle to the kids. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he gets like two episodes, like two brief scenes in two episodes, but he's yeah. so fucking good. Um, yes, but Michael Grayeyes, uh, who plays Woodard, the uh, Native American who who they hassle and mm-hmm. he co- he collect that that dude man. I've seen him in so many things in the last like three four years, but 
I, I don't know. I wish he was. I wish he got like some huge stat. Like he just hasn't gotten his due. Um, you know, he he was in a show, another show on Peacock called Rutherford Falls, which I was really really enjoying. And then he was also in the Firestarter reboot as Rainbird. Yes. Um, and but both neither one of those things like were were big. Um, but he showed up in a bunch of bunch of stuff, and I really fucking enjoy him. And he's so good in this. Like, I he was in uh, Fear the Walking Dead for a season, um, yeah. which just came back and is not great. But uh, like, he was really great in that show. It just, I don't know. I'm like, my heart broke for that fucking character, man. And like that that shootout. In the the trailer park, it's mm-hmm. oh, man, it's so fucking, it's harrowing, man. Absolutely. Um, if you like his work, um, there's a movie on Shutter called Blood Quantum, and it's directed by this guy, this um, indigenous um, director Jeff Barnaby, who died. Um, he only had two films, and he died. Um, Canadian filmmaker, but Blood Quantum is a fucking like like he's in the like he he actually is one of the main characters in it and he's fucking great in it and blood quantum is basically about it's a canadian horror film um the 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 setup is a zombie apocalypse has happened and the first nations the indigenous people of the americas have survived and they have created like sections of the world where there are no Indi- there there are no uh, zombies, um, and then it's with inside of that community that this this story takes place, um, in, in one of these communities, and he plays one of the leaders. And what happens is like with all zombie movies, like shit gets very real very quickly. But um, it's a great hard hitting um, horror film with him as one of the leads, and. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, if you like his work, check that one out. Uh, yeah, I'm, um, I, he's a dude that I've enjoyed for I don't know fucking how long now. I think the first thing I saw mm-hmm. him in was uh, I had nobody watched this movie, but it was a movie called Smoke Signals. Yes, yes. Uh, with um, who's the other guy that's in it that I know? Adam Beach. Adam Beach yeah. and Irene Beard are both in that. Uh, the deer. Um, who are who are great? Like, I know Adam. Adam Beach, I think, was like, you know, he's great. He's fucking awesome. But I do remember that. Um, there's a it's actually based on a book. Did you know that? Um, um no, I mean, I haven't seen it in 30 fucking years. Or well, it's not that old. I haven't seen it in 20 years. So. I think it is that old, actually. Uh, like I can't even remember when it came out. I can't remember. Sometime it's in actually the 90s. Not, yeah, like late nineties. Um, but the the book that it's based off of is a short story book. I think it's called Lone Ranger and Tonto Fight in Heaven. Okay. And Smoke Signals is one of those one of the books that's one of the uh, shorts that's in the book that tells like various indigenous people's stories. I need um, to revisit that movie, man. I, I remember being just blown away by it, and yeah, it, it just I don't I don't know. It's one of those things, Not man. 90s. I don't want to get into the but like. For all the like the we're doing as a as a, a culture, I guess pop culture is doing so much better about like representation and 
you know, but it still feels like Native American actors, like, still get fucking short shrifted, like, all the fucking time, man. And yep. you watch stuff like this, and it's like, this dude is so fucking good, man. Like, he should be playing a superhero, not, you know, playing, which it's necessary for the story, but it does just seem like, oh, well, you know, it's about, you know, well, he's a Native American character, so he went to war, people hate him anyway, um, he's an alcoholic, uh, <laughs> like, he works at a casino, it's, it's like, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of truth in that, but like, I don't know, let's do something better, but, you know. No, absolutely, um, I mean, and, like, you know, I don't know if you've seen Reservation Dogs yet, um, I, It's but... on my list, I, I almost started, I, after watching True Detective Season 3, I was like, I, which I know they're not really parallels, but no. really being like, yeah, fucking Michael Gray eyes, man. I really love this dude. I miss Rutherford Falls. I was like, I, I want to watch Reservation Dogs because I know it also has a lot of uh, Native American actors who I'm familiar with that I really enjoy. Um, but I hear the kids in that yeah. show are just fantastic. They fucking are, dude. Like they're like, like I know that people, a lot of people want to give Taika a lot of shit recently, but hit, like just. If Thor Love and Thunder begat Reservation Dogs and its two seasons and all of these wonderful, wonderful actors and this wonderful TV show that is written, directing, starring and produced by indigenous people of America, it would be enough um, because it's so good. It's so it's hard. Like it's hard because it's emotion it's it's an emotional show because a lot of it is dealing with the suicide of one of the 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 teenagers of this group of friends um and it doesn't shy away from that so if you're not in the mood for that it's something that they deal with constantly in the show but they just have like it's a showcase for all these young younger younger kids but also the other thing is is that it gives guys like zon um mclernan um He's like, he's like one of the, he plays the sheriff in the town where nothing happens, but, but you got like, everybody knows him from uh, Longmire. He plays uh, like he was in Longmire. He plays the right-hand man of Longmire. Who's the indigenous uh, uh, share uh, the indigenous uh, deputy, but he's also in Dr. Sleep. He plays again, another right-hand person. He plays, um, uh, what's Rebecca Ferguson's character's name in that? Um, um, Rose uh, Rose the Hat. Yeah, she, he plays he plays Crow Daddy. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. He's he's fucking great in the show. Like like there are some moments that just break your heart, but then there's also moments where he's just perfect. Um, but yeah, Reser- Reservation Dogs is one of those shows that I totally tell people. I'm like, if you need a good show that's like that's in a way that's about nothing but about everything you fucking need to watch reservation dogs it's it's yeah. just kind of like the show that you just let wash over you um i mean can you imagine you, like it, going to auditions and they're like casting you and you're like what's my character thing man and they're like oh your character is walks in the night or your character is uh gray eagle or red cloud mm-hmm. or wandering spirit or your name's brian but it's brian falcon and it's like yeah okay man (laughs) like how old does that shit get bow light feather you know shit like that yeah it's like uh, you know so uh 
I mean, not to keep harping on Rutherford Falls, but like he's in Rutherford Falls. His, his character's name is Terry Thomas. Like that's his character's name. And it's just like, you know, it's not a joke of a fucking name, you know, not. Yeah. And I know that like there are people with those names, but like those things, like I, I think he was in an episode of, because uh, I I looked on his IMDb page. Um, it was an episode of something where he's like Doctor Cornstalk or something like that. It's like, it's, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, can I just have a regular last name? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, um. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um. Rutherford Falls. That's one. That's one that I watched one episode of, and I meant to get back to, but I just never got back to. It, um, it really takes a while to get going, and unfortunately, by the time I was into it, like I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm really, I'm enjoying this now." It, it, it was already like the writing was on the wall. Unfortunately, so I see one show that I do since we're talking about. We're, we're in the air of like, you know, talking about shows that are, that are, that are written, like that are written and created by not by POCs, uh, uh, people of color um, or indigenous people, like, you know, like just around non-white people. Um, there's a show out that just came out uh, that's on uh, freebie. One of your, your places, like the places that you've, uh, you've talked to me about and you've gotten me into um, I finally started watching Jury Duty, by the way, which, Jesus Christ, that's fucking a show. That's a show, man. Fuck. Um, I, I will report back once I've finished it. But there's another show. I still haven't right... finished it. <laughs> <laughs> there's a show that I want to talk to everybody about. I've not seen it yet, but it's something that I mentioned to you. Um, it's called Primo, um, created by Shea Serrano of of the Ringerverse. Um, if you guys listen to the Ringer, you listen to any of their um, any of their movie-based podcasts. Shay is Shay is a guy that goes on um, and talks a lot. Uh, he's always a, a guest on Bill Simmons' podcast. There, um, whenever they do a rewatchables, um, he's he, he. But he's also created a couple of books. Um, he's a big basketball guy. I he's a big for. He's a big Scrubs fan. I actually found out yes. about this dude for showing up on their podcast. So exactly. But also, here's the big thing. Is that he wrote? He literally wrote the book on The Office. Now I'm probably going to give that to you, um, Logan, because I need you to read his his stuff on The Office, since I know that you're a huge Office fan. But here's the thing: he was so in like he his love of The Office is so good and so well thought out that Michael Schur raised an eyebrow, and he became Shea Serrano's mentor for Primo, the show Primo, and he's produced it along with Shea Serrano and worked with him on creating the show because he wanted it to be like, as, as Shea has, has talked about, it's a show about his life, but he wanted it to be like, kind of like Parks and Rec where it's a community of family and it's how he was raised and he found the love of his life, his wife. And it's all of these things. And I've seen the preview for it. And I can tell you guys, if the preview delivers on which the Michael Sure touch is the Michael Sure touch, yeah, it's going to be a great fucking show. And I just want to put that out there that I, this is the next show that I'm watching. Like I told my wife, I was like, honey, this is the show. I want to see this show. And she's like, why? I'm like two words, Brooklyn nine, nine. And she's like, that's three words. And I'm like, okay, fine. Of course. But 
the guy who created this helped create Brooklyn or the guy who created Brooklyn nine, nine helped create this show. And, and she was like, done fine. We got it. We're, we're here. We're solid. And like, it looks really good. Like, like for like, this could be the show that takes Freebie to this whole thing of like, Oh, this is a show that people should be watching. So that's just my whole thing. And I'm, I'm very excited because all the episodes are there. It's only eight episodes. They're 30 minutes, but it's a single camera Parks and Rec type of show. Um, and I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to watch this. Um, I'm not super familiar with a lot of the cast, but the creatives behind it, um, like the uh, specifically, I mean, the writers, yes, but like, and then the directors I have listed for the episodes. Um, yeah. Like Rebecca Asher has directed two episodes. I fucking I I like Rebecca Asher's work. So yes, like I no, mean absolutely. she she goes she goes back to uh fucking uh Richard Kelly Donnie Darko. So, yep. um, but yeah, she did a lot of like Brooklyn Nine Nine, and she directed like a handful of episodes of uh uh Dead to Me, which is a show that I fucking adored. So Dead to Me is D- Dead to Me is great. Um like that was a that that like that was a recommend that you gave me that I had to get through the first three episodes, but then once I got through those three episodes, it was fucking brilliant. And I mean, you know, I mean if Christina Applegate never works again, that's a way to go out. Right. Like, like that's a, that's a beautiful way to go out with this kind of level of, uh, this kind of level of show. Uh, uh, so, but yeah, no, um, Primo has like, it's weird because I was thinking about freebie and how I always used to think of it as the bastard set child of Amazon that they just dumped shit on. But between this, the jury, jury duty, um, the, the Greg Garcia show that you turned me on to, uh, yeah. The Garrett Delphunt movie show, and then um, Bosch Legacy, which is continually getting a like a bump up in budget, even yeah. though it's on freebie. And now Tyler Swellover has gone from not being like only being a guest star to actually being one of the co-stars of that fucking show. It's almost like freebie is like this experimental place that they they put things on that they that isn't like. 200 300 million dollar fucking lord of the Rings stuff but the lord of the Rings stuff doesn't interest me other than the boys because you know it's the boys i mean how can you not um but what really interests me is freebie because it's the stuff that i like this is the stuff that i want i want 30 minute crazy ass shows starring james marsden or garrett delahunt or a show about a group of latino um latino characters that aren't criminals and they're just fucking sitting there doing life like kind of like going back to reservation dogs reservation dogs is about kids just dealing with life but finding a way to do it so cinematically and like sure is like the dude that you get to do working class stuff that doesn't feel like blue collar bullshit it actually feels like real and people are there that are intelligent and considered it's it's like so like i'm on board for freebie in a way that I didn't think I would ever be because it's smart content. Yeah. Um, um, and I have you to thank for that because <laughs> you're the one who keeps on talking to me about this shit. And I'm like, Primo oh, yeah. wasn't on my radar. So I'm uh, glad you brought it up. So I'm gonna, I'm definitely watching that. So, um, 
yeah I, i'm excited now now i have I, I keep like i i have tons of backlogs of stuff that i'm like oh i should catch up on that but like i'm way more interested in like just finding new stuff so especially <laughs> so um no, absolutely. i've gotten kind of burned out on my usual shit so um anyway uh I think other well we we brought up White Man Can't Jump. What so you watched the remake? Was it good? Worthwhile? Yeah. Like um, so oddly enough, like okay, so like first off, it's you have to go in not thinking that it's the hustle movie that the hustle movie that White Man Can't Jump is, and if you recontextualize it and you look at it from okay, well this is a movie about hustle. In 2023, actually 2020, which, okay, so the one big issue I have with this sh- this show is that it takes place in 2020 and there's not a single fucking mask, even though we're in the biggest, that was the biggest part of the pandemic, right? So, yeah. So fucking, I don't know why they just didn't update it to 2023, whatever. I don't care. But with that, it takes every, it takes the basic plot of a white dude who hustles and a black dude that hustles and puts them together. But the hustle is different now because it's not just it's not them hustling like the basketball hustle is a side hustle. Their real hustles are like like so like as an example, um, the guy's name is uh, like the the uh, Jack. Um, what the hell is his name? What's the rapper kid's name now? He's literally a kid now. Um, who like um, Jesus? What is his name? I can't think of his. Um, um, Oh, oh God, uh, Jack, he, he, uh, the white kid. Um, no clues. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm looking it up on IMDb right now. Jack Harlow. So the the, the kid that plays, like you know, the rapper kid Jack Harlow, um, plays Billy. His hustle isn't just isn't just basketball. It's like this side gig of training. And like a detox, like a detox, like, like a detox tea, right? And then uh, the other guy, um, Kamal, who's played by Sinqual Walls, his hustle is like, literally, he's a FedEx, or he's an Amazon driver for an Amazon-like, like, you know, place, because they can't call it Amazon. But like, you know, it's his whole thing of like, trying to get back into the game, but he doesn't say it. And it's how these two kind of come together and start hustling to make some extra money to go into a tournament and eventually try to win the tournament tournament. But it's never like about them double crossing one another. It's like, you know, the differences in their approach to things and how each one rubs off on one another. It's a, it's an interesting, like, it's an interesting movie. Um, the thing that hit me hard with this movie was, Lance Reddick is in it. Oh, man. And, and spoiler alert, Lance Reddick's character has such an emotional arc. If you're, if you are a fan of Lance Reddick, it may, it may, un, it may hit you in, in the hard heart because he plays a character that used to be a former basketball star and the father of Cabal, uh, the, the other main character, um, whose career was ruined 
for the NBA or for like chances of going into the NBA were ruined because of an incident. But he plays his father who now has MS. And you could I'm not going to say what happens, but you could already you already know what the what, what the end story game is of that. And Lance Reddick, like, fuck, man, he plays it. Um, and it's, it, it hits hard. Um, but it's, it's, it's not a great movie, but I was genuinely surprised that it was a good movie and Jack Harlow can actually act. Um, and the, the concept that they came up with, the only problem is, is that it feels like it's an, it's a Hulu series that the pilot was, this is the two hour pilot for. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you the reason why is because Kenya Barris wrote this script. Uh, and I okay. love I love Kenya Barris. I love Blackish. Um, uh, that whole not, I've, world. Yeah, I love all of it. Yeah. But much like you people, it feels like a pilot. Like like literally his the conventions of the like he's been writing comedy for so, comedy sitcoms for so fucking long that I feel like he. Like there's no way it doesn't feel like, it. and that's what it does. It, like, if this was the two hour pilot for a for an eventual TV series, I, I would be fucking really excited because it lays the groundwork. It just, it just sits there like a pilot. Like, like, and that's the biggest problem I have with it is that narratively it ends, but it always it's like, oh, don't worry, coming up on this season of White Men Can't Jump, and. <laughs> Like, and then it just, like, you know, like, you could just see, like, it happening, right? But yeah. it doesn't, and, but that's the way it feels. It feels like a good two-hour pilot, um, which, I mean, you know, nothing's going to touch White Men Can't Jump from the 90s because it was made in the 90s and it was made in a different era and it's about a different style of basketball. So you can still, White Men Can't Jump, don't go thinking that this is going to replace it because it's definitely not, yeah. but it's okay. I mean, it's a solid, like it's a solid double. Like it's, it's like a solid walking to base double. It's not a triple. What, and it's not what's a funny is like, you're, okay. So you're talking about it and I do like Kenya Barris and like, if he's yeah. branching out to movies, like that's great. But like, I'm telling you right now, if this was like, if it was, I, I actually thought it was a TV show when I texted you. I was like, new show or something like that. And you're like, yeah, you did. Because um, cause it sounds like something that I would go, well, we can't make a movie. Let's make it into the, a TV show. A Kenya Barris White Man Can't Jump TV show would be something I would be all over. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to watch that. But the movie, I'm like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> um. The thing that okay, so like the biggest thing that comes out of um, out of White Man Can't Jump is something that I've been really thinking about recently, which is the rapper Vince Staples has kind of come into his own as a super great low key actor. Now you know him, uh, you know him as um, in um, Abbott Elementary. He plays. Mr. Eddie's friend that Janine dates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the one that goes, the, the one that like, he wants to go to bone town with her, <laughs> which ends up turning out to be a fucking restaurant. <laughs> and then yep. she breaks up with him at bone town, his favorite restaurant. Yep. Um, he has become the deadpan assassin for me because 
some of the funniest moments in that show in, in Abbott Elementary is when he shows up and there's just the deadpan that he yeah. does in that. He does it. He double. He gets to double down on that in um, in White Man Can't Jump. And now, from what I understand, he actually has a show that he's working with Kenya and uh, the director of this show on uh, that's based off of his life in a weird little way. Um, okay. Like it's kind of like a curb your enthusiasm, but for Vince Staples. Like he plays Vince Staples or a version of him, um, just kind of like Bupkis to to bring it all back full circle. But yeah, I mean, it's okay. But like I said, like Kenya Barris, like you can definitely tell it's a Kenya Barris thing, but it feels like a really, like, it's an okay, it's a, it's an okay solid movie, but it would be a fantastic pilot. Yeah. So take that guys as you will. Yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? <laughs> Hulu's doing a lot of rejiggering. So, um, yes, they are. Yeah. You know, we'll, yes, we'll see. Uh, and they're they're starting to pull content. Them and Disney both. So it's and I don't yep. even I don't even want to talk about that. So um, oh yeah, let's not let's definitely not it's, talk uh, about it. It makes me let's so do, fucking yeah. sad. <laughs> um, it makes me mad. It makes me mad. Like I don't even want to talk about like the fact that when they like guys just remember whenever they pull something, they're they get to not pay the writers, yeah. actors, and crafts people. So if you guys are, are like anyway fans and you see that they drop it off instantly start like doing the campaigns because they actually do listen and more importantly if you have stocks maybe you should fucking sell them yeah because because the only thing that these guys like or the only things that these understand and including disney is the bottom line it's what's going to get them to get them to finally negotiate with with the with the wga um that and also the dga will strike too so but anyway Anyways, that's that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, let's not talk about the merging of of Hulu and Disney um, yet because <laughs> it's happening. Um, but oh man! Yeah. So what's next week we can what's talk. coming out? Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say what's coming out next week. Um, TV shows. So like we have that Arnold Netflix movie Fubar next week. Yeah. Uh, we have we have Gremlins: Secret of the Mogwine. Um, Is that which, coming out? Yeah, that's next week. Okay. That's actually on Tuesday. Um, which I can tell you is actually a really it's a. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot because it changed what instead of Gremlins being a horror comedy, it's an adventure horror comedy. But it's a prequel, and uh, it's fun. I will just say that much. Um, I didn't give a lot of spoilers because I don't want to give a lot of spoilers. But like, literally, it's a fun show that's on the rights on the harder side of PG thirteen, like the Gremlins always have been, and manages to get away with a lot of stuff that I'm genuinely surprised about, like things like 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 cutting off people's hands and fingers, biting people. Um, there's a lot of like weirdly horrific stuff in the show but okay. i mean that's gremlins but that's gremlins right i'm excited um, for that I've, I've been for some reason i thought it was coming out late june so no 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 it starts okay. this uh i don't know whether it's going to be all episodes or if it's going to be like a three like a dropping th- the first three which most people are doing nowadays i think that that's what yeah. it is but but um the creators behind it have definitely unlocked something because it's it, it it's a novel concept. I will say this much. It takes place in the sh- in Shanghai in the 1930s, and it's a monster of the week um, show. So, but 
here's the thing. It's not the gremlins that are monsters of the week. They have things like white, white foxes, um, the white snake lady, um, Chinese vampires. Um, like, so like if you're, if you know about Chinese mythology or demonology, uh, this show is very smart about it. It's almost like Buffy by way of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Okay. Um, if if the show had focused, or like if Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom had focused on Short Round and Doctor Jones was actually a was actually a like was actually an evil magician that's just using his finds to proliferate his his like his power and his wanting to live forever um and i will say this much they smartly figured out how to explain the origins of the mogwai and the gremlins like okay. the reason why the rules are set up i was like by episode seven when it when they start this and they they do the discovery or they do the whole this is the reason why mogwais are with these rules i was like Fuck, that's brilliant. That's actually fucking brilliant. That actually makes a hundred percent sense if you reroute it back and put it through Chinese mythology, or uh, okay. you know, uh, uh, Chinese Chinese mysticism. So um, yeah, it's good. It's good, um, and it's got a wonderful animation style. That's like, like it's it's game. It, it's Nintendo Switch adjacent. If you kind of catch my drift. It's got a, it's got that very kind of stylized CGI but painterly kind of look to it. Um, but the voice work, damn, there are some goats there. Like, I mean, B.D. Wong shows up, Sandra Oh, um, um, Bowen Yang. Like, there's a there's a great uh, Matthew Reese plays the main villain. Um, it's great. So, like, I'm genuinely I'm excited, excited to watch it. Yeah. yeah. I, so we got that. We got the Arnold Fubar movie. Um, cannot remember what else we have. Uh, well, hopefully uh, Mrs. That, Davis, if you get get fully caught up on it. Yes. So. No, no, I, that's my plan. That is my plan. Um, um, that is my plan. So, so yeah, yeah, no big no big movies next week, I guess. Uh, which I was never going to go watch Fast X. So. <laughs> yeah, I do. you weren't um, ever going. Um, is The Little Mermaid out next week? If it is, then uh, it's a. That's something I care about even less than Fast X. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it is not. It's the. It's uh, actually, you know what? It is the twenty sixth. Um, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Good for it. Uh, I definitely. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Uh, we will not be. We will not be talking about that uh, tonight, so. uh, next week. Um, and, and not for all the reasons that a lot of people that are pissed off about that movie are just because I saw the trailer and I was like, hey, I didn't give a shit about the original Little Mermaid from Disney. <laughs> B, I'm damn sure am not going to give a fuck about this live action one. <laughs> so, yes, exactly. Uh, uh, but anyway, yeah, we'll be back next week talking about uh, lots and lots of TV, it sounds like. Um, so uh, until then, go check out everything else uh, podcast-wise over at xwingfiles.com, uh, especially Pod Lasso, our Ted Lasso podcast. Um, boy, I'm having so much fun talking about Ted Lasso. It is crazy, and we're just talking about season two, but the way season two is overlapping like encircling or season three is circling back around to things in season two. It's just, 
ah, that show was so brilliant, man. Anybody that's hating on it, that just fuck you. Because <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so good. Um, but uh, yeah, that's where you can find all of the po- all of my podcasting stuff. Um, and I'll let Adam plug uh, his writing, of which there has been a lot of late. Like, if you're wanting to know what DVDs to buy, that's what you should be reading. Because so, every time he posts something, <laughs> I'm like, fuck, I want to buy that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, TheMovieIsle.com. Um, I've got a ton of content on there right now. Um, I, I know that uh, Logan's probably wondering where his next volume of uh, movie pictures oh, is. It will, no, it will be it's all good. I'm working on Empire or not Empire. I'm working on Return of the Jedi right now. So nice. Okay, so uh, I wanted to like build up a, a stockpile before so that it gives you some time to like comfortably comfortably write because like you know it can be a pain in the ass especially when you're like i don't have the compunction to write uh uh but anywho um that will be posting next week um is starting next week over the long holiday weekend and then um yeah just uh the movieisle.com and you know um we're always here podcasting and seems like the standard three-hour podcast about (laughs) about a lot of stuff (laughs) Uh, uh So, uh, so yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Next week, guys. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal Al. Number eight, Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But they're really all sold out. See you all together if you're with me